Support for Laser Time is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code LASERTIME. One word, LASERTIME, at manscaped.com. Once again, that promo code is LASERTIME for 20% off and free worldwide shipping at manscaped.com. The Hangover, again, Ron Howard conjures fire, and we remember Sammy Jakus. This week on 2010. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you back across a journey across three decades at the very same time, or in three segments. Uh, we're looking at the world of mostly pop culture 30, 20, and 10 years ago from a single week, this week being May 21st to the 27th, and we'll tell you what happened, all the cool stuff that happened in 1991, 2001, and 2011. And a surprising amount of alien sitcoms. Uh, I'll just say that as a tease. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman, and I have anterograde amnesia. Mm. Also, I'm Diana Goodman, and I have anterograde amnesia. I was going to use that joke later. Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, you want another one? I can give you another one. No, it's it's totally... I'm Diana Goodman, and this here's a robbery. No one loses their head. No one loses their head. (laughs) (laughs) This is an amazing week. Um, I may have I have memento powers, but only for it happens after you do podcasts for over ten years, and you just keep repeating things that you've told people before. Mm-hmm. It just it's mm-hmm. just it'll happen to you too, kids. Who, sorry, who, who else is here? Yeah, what, it's me, Sarah. It's, Yay! Yeah. I'm sorry, I had to talk over you to make my dumb joke. I it's get fine. It. I uh, totally get it. Whew. And uh, man, there is so much fun stuff to talk to, to talk about this week. I think. An incredibly notable film in each decade uh, worth watching, and that that Hell doesn't yeah. always happen. And and there's just I would say like just like almost ten films that are like pretty goddamn good this week. This is going to be a pain for us. Yeah, 1991. Uh, everything was so notable that like we're not breezing past anything. Yeah, yeah. we, we got to talk about all of these. And let's it's a, settle in, man. That's, I, you're right. Let's get all this out of the way. Uh, the show this week's executive produced by Justin Allen and many other fine people at Patreon.com/slash/LaserTime. Hey, man, give us five bucks. You know how many hours we've given you? We've been doing this for six years. Give us. Give! Uh, just kidding. Uh, but, you know, if you can spare it, we love you. Hey, this week we're talking about May 21st through the 27th, beginning as we always do in 1991, because there's just so much to talk about. Let's start with Israel! <laughs> Everyone's Yay. favorite subject. Ooh, I'm getting a note that I have to take this down. No, uh, this we can talk about, because it happened 30 years ago. To bring you into the world of 1991, a little bit of dumb news. I got some tech news this week in a couple segments. But uh, Operation Solomon... Israel airlifts 14,000 Ethiopian Jews in 36 hours? Whoa. Uh, one, of, one of the aircraft, a hollowed out, am I going to have to say that? EIA-1, 747. L-O. Car- L-O. See, Israeli national. Oh. Uh, carried at least uh, 1,088 uh, 1, people, uh, including two babies who were born on the flight and holds the world record for the most passengers on an aircraft. Oh, you mean to tell me there's no spoiled university that's tried to break this shit? 
I bet we can fill my dad's plane. <laughs> You're right. I feel like MIT should work on that and they can like really figure out how to cram people in as best as possible. Yeah, no, okay, let's we let's not talk about Israel too much. Mm-hmm. But this is just logistically speaking, really freaking impressive yeah. that things were destabilizing in Ethiopia and uh they finally Israel was like Anyone wants to come? Y'all can come. Mm. And uh, 14,000 people in a day and a half loaded wow. up. Yeah, Luna, right. Israel. Uh, there were problems <laughs> because those were mostly uh, very rural farming type folks. And then you dropped them into a pretty modern country where they don't speak the language. <laughs> and there's also a little bit of racism. And there's also a little bit like, well, they're not Jewish enough. Oh, cool. And oh, there's, boy. you know, all kinds of your just, Yeah. Let's just not with Try, Israel this week. Um, imagine right. being like a, a farmer dropped into Israel. And this is a terrible Ethiopian Jew impression. Well, golly. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly. It's spot on. Yeah. It's uncanny. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's nice How when you can that? portray an ethnicity and never get canceled. As long as you do them wrong. Yeah. So, crack the code. I mean, Israel is really capable of doing really impressive things. And that just reminds you they should maybe stop doing all the bad ones. Yes. God damn it. You don't yes, have... I'm an American Jew. I get to complain as much as I want. You don't have to do every impressive thing, Israel. How about that? Is that the lightest way I can criticize them without being canceled in the media and called an anti-Semite? Good! Uh. Uh, <laughs> good. Um, as we move on to one of my favorite bit of news. Oh, my God. Y'alls. Sarah, die. Yes. Do, you, do you remember VCR Plus? Oh, do I? Do you really? I, <laughs> I do. I remember being marketed and being like, well, I'm not going to use that. <laughs> Because when I program my VCR, I always start two minutes early and I end one minute late just That's, in case. So back in the day Damn when you, you wanted to record a program, not only did you have to do it on a physical tape, you had to set a you had to set it to start recording at a certain time. And if you're like recording a movie or a sporting event, you're just like, I think it's going to go this long. So mm-hmm. you have to like estimate how long you would record a show for. And for a lot of people, it was really complicated. I think we've come up with a lot of <laughs> bad stereotypes out of programming a VCR because it, it was fucking hard. The, the interface was always terrible. I remember learning how to do it as a little kid in a way I would have no patience for now. Like, uh. pr- like setting a timer for a VCR to record something. So much of that stuff, none of us would have patience for. Yeah, it was right it was now. awful, and and required. I remember having to hit the OTR button, which I still don't know what that means. But <laughs> and that's just that I want to record for three hours at SP, starting at this time Pacific. It was because that's the only way you could do it. VCR Plus, though, and this technology may have debuted a little earlier, but like there's a big campaign for it this week, and I think. I know I had a VCR with this logo on it. I never, ever used it. Oh, going through the TV guide and recording what I want is so hard. When you want to tape your favorite shows, does it turn into a big production? Not with VCR Plus, the one-step programmer that works with your VCR and VCR Plus codes. Those numbers next to the shows in your TV guide and newspaper. Simply punch in the codes for the shows you want to tape. That's it. No more hassles. So, yeah, you might remember seeing that. If any of you go through old newspapers, you might wonder what that is. It's not an episode production number. It's, in this case, early on, the four-digit number you used to program... Uh, what when you wanted to record a certain episode, it automatically knew when that would be on. I don't know how the technology but worked. How? I, I don't. <laughs> I only say that because like my VCR did not have fucking Wi-Fi, and I didn't have Wi-Fi at yeah. this point, so I don't know how it knew when and what to record. I think what it comes down to is there is a code for every 
variation of time and length. I'm, oh. build, I'm willing to bet that there is there is a code that means. Oh my god, uh, that's fucking 8 p.m. to 8:30. There's probably another code that means 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. There's another code ah. that means 8 p.m. to 9:30. I was gonna say even yeah. even back then with like a hundred channels, four digits doesn't really. There's more yeah. than ten thousand things on in a week nowadays. Oh, nowadays, but yeah, you'd run it like you. Yeah, it has to correspond to date and time. Damn, died. Broke yep. the code. Okay. Um, Broke the code. But moving into one of the biggest movie sections we will have this week. And yeah, good. Man, I don't know. Lord. I don't know what to give shorter time to because they're all pretty special. Um, this one to me is, I, I wish it was more special because. Yeah. Let me say, we, we start with two failures. Mm-hmm. One that has kind of become like a cult. It's like a cold hit or something people like fondly remember from their childhood. And mm-hmm. one that no one should remember fondly for any reason whatsoever. But Ooh, really, it's kind okay. of fascinating in its own right. But I, let's start with the beloved one. Yeah, this one is great. Except not. When Lizzie was a little girl. Grandma Bun. She had an imaginary friend. No more drop dead friends. Yeah, what happened to you? And now that she's grown up. He's everywhere, and only I can see him. He's still the same old Fred. Well, what does that taste like? Drop Dead Fred, rated PG-13. Drop Dead Fred with uh, Phoebe Cates and Rick Mile. Also with Carrie Fisher and Tim Matheson. Um, Yeah. Yeah, this is like, if you saw it as a kid, you're going to love it forever. Mm. If you Mm. saw it any later than that, you will never watch it again. And Mm, yeah. I hate that because I spent a long time looking for it. My sister saw it and told me how great it was because it is an imaginary friend come back to life to into an adult woman's life. And it's kind mm-hmm. of a lo-fi mask, the mask. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it feels a lot like okay. that. And uh, with, with a lot worse special effects. But just want to give a shout out to Rick Mile because he's dead now at mm. 56 because I grew up loving, loving the young ones and due to the nature <laughs> Of old media in 91, more appropriately, in the 2000s, like, I never saw anything else he did other than this. Hmm. I when Once I got YouTube, I got to look at Bottom, and <laughs> which I, is, like, kind of too British for me. But I loved The Young Ones, and is now very hard to get someone into. The Young Ones is one of the weirdest, just <laughs> mo- intentionally ugliest shows I've ever seen in my life. It is the punkest show I've ever seen in my life. But I love but I love Rick Mayle, and this is kind of his only Hollywood role. Yeah. I'm still not sure. I, I was trying to look into, like, who else was offered this role? How mm-hmm. did this come about? Yeah, because he didn't Couldn't write find it. Much about it. No, he didn't, didn't write it. I'm not entirely sure. I guess someone was a fan of The Young Ones and yeah. decided to, to roll the dice, because this is kind of a lower-budget movie. Might right. as well give it a but- shot. Rick is uh, one of I, England's bigger comedians at this point. He had been on multiple yeah. famous shows, but was was semi unknown in the U.S. outside of MTV and Comedy Central re-airing The Young Ones, like five years yeah. after it was canceled. <laughs> you know, it was never canceled. Yeah. It's a British show. Yeah, they just stop. But um, so I I know that this has uh, a terrible reputation, but it is one of those things that people fondly remember. So mm-hmm. I gave it a shot as a grown ass woman, and I love the idea. The idea. Is oh, no. great. Oh no. I love the idea. And and it was a little deeper and more complicated than I was expecting because like she's going through Phoebe Cates is like her life is all fucked up. Mm-hmm. And it's like she's going through crisis after crisis. And we find out that, you know, Drop Dead Fred, her imaginary friend, basically exists for her to deal with like trauma being emotionally stress. abused by her mom her whole life. Wow. 
Wow. I was like, okay, okay that was heavier than I was expecting. But, but real. Also, Very real. Yes. But also so much of this movie, I was it's kind of just the same joke over and over. And I was getting so annoyed and I was just cringing. I'm just like, oh, can we move on from this? Oh, yes, he's standing around screaming some more. Oh. But it's Rick Mayo, the hero of the people. Uh, I love mm. I love Rick Mayo. And again, Diane, I'm with you. I saw this. I finally tracked this down in my teens. This was not on DVD for like the first mm. 10 years of DVD. And uh, people who rented it know it finally. And I, yeah, I never thought of it. But like mostly women, I, I know, love this fucking movie. Yes, and- yeah, that's what I've heard. And because I remember it being in the movie um, in our video rental store a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I that cover is indelible to me. And I think yeah. my cousins were really into it, but somehow it just escaped me. And honestly, I'm kind of, I considered watching it for the show, but I just, I kind of instinctively knew, like, I don't think I'm going to enjoy it. I think I'd rather <laughs> the drop, dro- drop dead Fred that exists in my mind is the one that's described by how did this get made? And I think I'm just going <laughs> to leave it there because I mean, not to, you know, advertise for another podcast, Unbelievable. but Let's how did this get made? That is the best episode of how this get made. It is. Is when they cover it. It's a really, really good episode. Yeah. Bananas. (laughs) It's so good. Like, and I think Casey Wilson is on it, who is one of my favorite people. So yeah, I I just kind of wish to just keep that as my vision of it is how they describe it on that podcast. But I mean I am kind of interested in it because I definitely had imaginary friends growing up. Mm -hmm. At least two. I don't know. Did you guys, is that a normal thing? Like how many people really had imaginary friends growing up that, that you talked to and like played with? I mean, I had popular friends, people I, I pretended I was friends with. I'd write, but they were like real people. They were real people. No, I'm not, okay. not, no, I'm not that <laughs> pathetic, but, uh, but I, I really enjoy my alone time. No, no. Yeah. I, I, if I did, I was like, I'm like too young to remember. Okay. And yeah, I did not have imaginary friends, but I did go to church a lot. That's Ooh, <laughs> my grandmother burn. signed me a saint uh, that I had to pray to. Which one? I don't remember. Sometimes I use hers. His name was Sinius. She used to talk to him when she got frustrated. Yeah, it's good hmm. to have a patron saint. It is like Yuck. having a mine's Joan of Arc. That was my confirmation name. Oh. Yeah, my uh, but my imaginary friends were named KK and Jamie. KK. A little singing one. dog, uh, but yeah, Drop Dead Fred, uh, critically panned, didn't do very well, oh, yeah. and and really had like a slow cult renaissance over the next twenty years. But mm-hmm. it didn't mean to didn't yeah. mean to sell it short. But like this is for kids first and foremost. It, if you've never seen it before, it might not do it for you. But then there were some jokes that are yeah. like, there's a lot of adult. What? <laughs> is this really for kids? Like, what is the joke here? Like, there's some jokes that's like kind of adult. Like, he finds out, oh, she's not wearing underwear, and it's like, okay, I can see a kid going, <laughs> but what he like upskirts the mom, played by Marsha Mason of all people, and points and says, cobwebs. <laughs> What's the joke for kids? <laughs> Dusty ass pussy. Kids love dusty pussy jokes. Kids love they, it. They, they get it. They're here for it. They do. They're into it. They uh, know exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, there are a bunch of those of just like, mm, I can see a hard R version of this. I might end up liking better. I, I kind of like that though. I mean, that is such a thing in the like late 80s and early 90s, I think, where you're watching ostensibly a kids movie and then there's something like that. And then you hear later on, you're like, usually through Twitter, like, did anyone else think that the name for a woman's anatomy was cobwebs because of the Whoa. meat, the drop dead? Red? I, I, like, we, I mean, you know, like, 
that kind of weird stuff happens during a little kid It did. Brain. We talked about it with Big when he was talking about, like, uh, the teacher leans over. I can see down her shirt all the way down to her flowers. I'm like, well, I guess that's what I'm supposed to call it because I heard it <laughs> yeah. once in a, in a movie called Big. Thanks, Penny Marshall. Uh, <laughs> never anywhere else, not even in another movie, did I hear anybody call whatever. Was that her belly button? I don't know. Her happy trail? <laughs> all the way down to her flowers. Maybe that's what's on her bra. It, ah. Hmm. That's probably it. That sounds like something a kid would say, actually. I don't yes. like this. I'd rather think I'm just decoding everything. I'm uh, yeah, just, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the old people whisperer. I understand yes. those things. Our Rosetta Stone. Yep. Yeah. You, you know are... what I can't explain? <sighs> actually, I can try really hard to explain Please. the next movie, but it is inexplicable. It uh... is one of Bruce, I think Bruce Willis's only writing credit as a story okay. by because it's based on a song he wrote with his buddy. Okay. Yeah, meaning there's very little stakes to get this onto the screen just as long as it happens. And it's happening with the director of Heathers, and mm. we get something equally surreal. I don't know. Uh, it crashes his fucking career because he can't keep yeah. a lid on this yeah. at all. He's, uh, he's barely holding on. Ladies and gentlemen, David Caruso, Richard E. Grant, Sandra Bernhardt, James Coburn, Andy McDowell, uh, Danny Aiello, and Bruce Willis in Hudson Hawk. You still think you're the greatest cat burglar that ever lived? Hudson Hawk was planning to go straight. I wouldn't even tape a Mets game without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. But the CIA. The CIA what? The Vatican. Catholic girls are scary. And the filthy rich. Yikes. Had plans of their own. This is not turning out to be a very good night. Bruce Willis. Hudson Hawk. This is not what you think. Yeah, it's it's... It, ha- it it does kind of I forget about the song connection because it does kind of stink of Vanity Project mm-hmm. so, yeah. something that would be perfectly tolerable in a 12 minute music video when strung out because I, I have a weird little tiny bit of affection for this it's the first time outside of the wizard I remember anyone saying Nintendo so as a little kid I would like <laughs> wait and watch that line um, but it's it's really slapsticky and every well, the music everything I roll my eyes at like um, it does something like well I've never seen that before like 20 minutes later. So I, I I don't, I don't, I'm not as hard on this movie, but I get it. It's not great. There, I mean, there are chunks of it. It's like, it's kind of like Top Dead Friend. It's like where I see where you're going with this. Yeah. I don't think you quite get there, but it is about this cat burglar played by Bruce Willis and his buddy, Danny Aiello. And they are like blackmailed into stealing a bunch of Leonardo da Vinci artifacts so that they, so, so uh, the bad guys played by Richard E. Grant and Sandra Bernhardt, the only good thing about this movie, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. have to put together because they want to make a, a machine that turns lead into gold, which I guess Da Vinci figured out. Okay. And uh, I mean, a lot of the problem is like comedy usually works when you have a couple wacky characters and everyone else plays it straight to mm-hmm. react to them. But this like everything is over wacky all the time yes. and it's just kind of exhausting and like, very sweaty like they're it, also trying kind of for like a irreverent like in like flint kind of vibe mm-hmm. like they they reference it a couple times and even got james coburn here i do have to give the tiniest bit of respect that he plays the head of the cia and he's named george kaplan which is a north by northwest reference and that uh-huh. makes me happy but it's fucking wasted <laughs> like it just goes all over the place and it just it's like watching money burn on screen just, <laughs> there's this Really neat chasing on the Brooklyn Bridge. They really filmed on the Brooklyn Bridge, and it's very impressive. But it just ends up leaving you going like, "Ugh, shut up and get on with it." Mm. 
Yeah, and this this kind uh, of this kind of like it, I I don't remember many films before this in in my lifetime. I remember reading Mad Magazine. They're always talking about Ishtar, but this is like my my Ishtar. Like people reference this to talk about things that are bad and kill careers. And oh yeah, I, Bruce Willis. I don't remember his career really being dead, even though I think you know he basically did porn after this with Color of Night. But uh, <laughs> but it, not until like. He had a little resurrection in his career, like three three years later, and then became the yeah. megastar Bruce Willis you know who can't fail, and that's why he's yeah. on all those straight to Walmart movies now. Mm-hmm. But, well, this I mean, this is his first Redbox. big <laughs> failure, not just a little failure. This is a big failure. Yeah. His last movie we talked about was what Die Hard Two. Maybe I mean, what he about? had just been on such a freaking roll, and mm. he gets this just fucking vanity project and drives it into the ground. One good thing that came no, this, out of this, this is, is Rich- follow up to Grant. the bonfire of the vanity. So. I was going to say, when it works. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a two hit, man. That's, 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 that's after that's after like mood lining, blind date, die, d- two diehards, and look who's yeah. talking. So that's yeah. probably why it was because it was a one two punch a bad yeah yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. no one good thing that did come out of this is richard e grant has published some of his onset diaries from back in the day and the making of this and the making of bram stoker's dracula make the book worth buying right there the making of this is so crazy because he's like oh so they told me to show up in rome at this day and i'm gonna meet sandra bernhardt who's playing you know my villainous wife and she's spending all this time like making friends with the dog that's gonna play play our dog and then no one calls us for like three weeks and we're just sitting around in rome getting paid going uh guys what and then then they're like oh and then we finished shooting this thing i don't know where it goes in the movie oh danny aiello just came up with this idea that his character's not really dead and they're filming it what the fuck like every sentence is a question just, what the fuck what the i what the, and now there's there's a helicopter what the what? it's so funny yeah, it's funnier than the movie by a lot yeah yeah I, this movie <laughs> i understand i understand it's just like it it does it 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 i don't see any i don't see this film having any cult status like no one is deeply enjoying hudson hawk which... there is the rare person you will find who who somehow picks up what they're throwing down um <laughs> i know i think uh mark kermode the critic he said he liked it he told richard e grant that and richard e grant told him uh no that is a steaming pile of donkey shit what's wrong with you you're wrong <laughs> Well, yeah, this is Richard E. Grant's follow-up to a L.A. Story. Yeah. yeah. So he's, oh, at least so he got paid. Yeah, know, to hang out in Rome. Got to go to Rome. Bernhard. I don't feel I bad mean, for anybody like involved weeks? in this. This didn't kill anybody's yeah. career except for the Heathers guy, Mike Lehman. Yeah, yeah. Hey. It kind of killed his career. So he just, he couldn't, he couldn't control what was going on. He had Joel Silver, the producer, on one end, and he had Bruce Willis on the other. And this is his, like, mainstream shot at action success after freaking meet the apple gates one of the weirdest movies ever i don't know how they hired him <laughs> hmm. and uh yeah kind of screwed his career up yep <sighs> too bad there you go yeah cost something like 70 million dollars made like 17 yeah it's in the teens Oof. uh very very big bomb but has a terrible nintendo game as well uh, i was waiting for that to come you're welcome i've heard a lot you're welcome. i might have heard more about this nintendo game than <laughs> i've heard people talking about the movie i think i think you could have like a legitimate like filibuster debate on which one is worse for <laughs> like a long long time then then you got we got to get into the good movies or the goodish movies i don't know i'm that is not a slam on the next film no, which i think is both good I, yeah I, we'll, we'll get there but the, the next film i watched 
just because I'd never seen it before, like five years ago. Now I watch it every year. Stephen Tobolowski. Oh, he's in, he's in two decades this week. Uh, Christopher yeah. McDonald, Brad Pitt, Michael Madsen, Harvey Keitel, Gina Davis, Susan Sarandon, Thelma and Louise. An overworked housewife. I got it! An underpaid waitress. We're out of here tonight. In the next 24 hours, they'll be wanted. You get your butt back here, Thelma, now. For questioning. Do you believe this whole thing was an accident? Maybe you got a few too many parking tickets. Hello, officer. No problem. Wanted for kidnapping. I'm real sorry about this. I apologize also. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Y'all lie down on the floor, please. Rob, please! And wanted for highway robbery. What? It's about time they got some attention. You have a good relationship with your wife. I'm about as close as I can be to a nutcase like that. <laughs> I, there is no bad cast member in this fucking movie. It no, is like every everyone. everybody looks like they're having the time of their life and no one has been more beautiful. Yes. This movie is perfect. Oh I, I, I love it. Benson, a hunk. Yeah. Yeah. Pitt, a hunk. Even Christopher McDonald. He is so perfect. He does so many subtle shitbird things (laughs) that are so funny. If you just watch this whole movie, just watching him do business in the background while someone else is talking, it's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, I don't. He is every worst husband ever. The first thing I want to ask, I guess, describe if we can describe the plot, and it's just like it's just a fun crime spree movie shot beautifully, sort of. With some... I mean, it's more than that, though. Yeah, but then sure. I mean, ads. It's it's fun. So I went back and I read a lot of the discourse from 1991 about this, mm-hmm. and a lot of critics, just in their initial reviews, were absolutely shocked at the shift in tone that this movie takes because they're being sold it like this, like this is this fun buddy comedy, and they're mm-hmm. just girls on a road trip. Yeah, we're going crazy, and. I mean, the move, the moment where everything shifts is there is a sexual assault yeah. and a beating and a murder and a murder. And, and then, and then and I didn't mean to say crime spree, but like they were already running away from something and then had right. a reason to run even further and not give a shit about, all right, all right, we got a gun, need money. Let's do, <laughs> let's, let's pull some jobs. But it's always done with like a polite smile and laughs. And I, I love it. I love this. I love this film. Yeah. I mean, they were running away originally from their kind of crappy lives where they're not being appreciated and mm-hmm. they're really the only ones no, in each other's corners. That's the thing I, I can't speak to because there's this whole lady thing that, you know, that's not necessarily going to go over my head. It's just not going to like, it's not going to speak to me as much as it might you guys. So when I watch it, when I, my, my assessment of this movie, it is like, it is this lady centric movie directed by the, just the, the malest of male directors. I can't think of it. Well, that's kind of why, but I, and I'm not trying to like give you a hard time necessarily, but why it's, it's I mean, not we've the second plenty, segment. We've seen so many like buddy cop films where mm-hmm. it's two male leads, and like you know, Midnight Run. We just talked about that because you know of Charles Grodin, and like yeah. Diane and I never say things like, "Well, I don't really get that." Like, no, male I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like so, this, the I mean, same way. I, I just you didn't call well, me out when Sir finish, saying Drop finish, Dead Fred let, appealed let to like finish. little girls. Let me finish. Let me finish. <laughs> Please. So I do think that that is like a default mode that many people go into with movies like this and movies that have female leads. We're like, switch the genders and it's the same no, no, no. movie. All I all I meant to say so, is I can't speak to that appeal if, if, if you're in this for like a running away from your husband movie. I, I, like, I, 
like, no, I can, sorry, I can on that point, but like, I don't, how about this? I don't want to speak to the female empowerment thing about anything we talk about. That's your job. <laughs> that's okay. <I laughs> that's what I meant I to say. That. But, but, okay. but what I meant, what I was trying to say is that this movie has some of like the most grandiose action scenes and explosions for what is oh a story God, of two women having fun being friends. It, it is one of the yeah. most extrav- extravagantly shot things I've ever seen. And I don't know that you would normally get that in a movie of this tone. No, they had trouble get, I mean, not surprising. They had trouble getting this made. Um, I know there was, they chopped it to a bunch of directors. Uh, There were a couple that were interested. Richard Donner, I think was the front runner for a while, which is like, (laughs) again, he did fucking leave the weapon. He can Mm -hmm. do buddies. I want to know the name of apparently a very established director said, why would I want to watch two bitches in a car? Uh, That is such a cool thing to say. I want to get another bitch and we'll drive over him in our car. You know, they fuck Brad Pitt in this at some point, right? Both uh, of them. <laughs> no. I know. Just one of them. But, head well, cannon, we'll head get cannon. To, we'll get to baby Brad Pitt. <laughs> but yeah, there are just a lot of people who are just like, I don't get it. And the fact that Ridley Scott came on to produce and then finally decided to direct yeah. is so like last week we talked about how what about Bob just seems to be missing from Bill Murray's when we talk about it mm-hmm. this no one talks about this when they talk about ridley scott it's all blade yeah. runner all the time i don't I is there a movie more different than blade runner is is there any other ridley scott movie remotely like this and and, and knowing what i know now that yeah. like his studio bought it and he couldn't really get anyone else to direct it so yeah. he kind of had to do it himself and i think it it, it, it might have been a total mismatch but it like makes it look really cool well, it looks, yeah, it there's looks some, There's some helicopter shit in here. Like, I haven't seen anything like that in any other movie. And yeah. especially oh, the, dude, when the helicopter comes through the, the smoke plume. Yeah, it's and insane. The smoke curls up. Oh, God, it's like, gorgeous. This should, be, this should be in a $300 million Vietnam movie and it set its ending <laughs> film in the least. Yeah, I, I, I love this. I love this flick. And yeah. So, yeah, I was really excited to hear what Sarah had to say because you yeah. said you had not seen this before yeah. and it's a movie about females and friendship. I know, you know, I love those things. Yeah, I mean, I had not seen it and I think for a while I put it off too because it has been talked about so much as like a bona fide like feminist masterpiece and I sometimes find those endorsements to be hollow or um, mm-hmm. in the view of where we are now like people think it is but no this <laughs> you is can't just kill deal. you just you can't just kill a guy a sexual assaulter and call it a feminist masterpiece i want to exactly. do that too <laughs> to quote me from the a previous episode with mm-hmm. that horror sucker punch yes um <laughs> i literally said that in, when we talked about that yeah. movie so. just because women are doing violence doesn't make it feminist mm-hmm. cite your sources yeah yeah um, okay <laughs> so oh my god the the rhetoric around this, I mean, this it was in the cover of Time a couple of weeks after it comes out of people tisk tisking about like, what are we trying to tell our young ladies about? Uh, is this really feminism? And of course, the Not All Men Brigade comes okay. out in force. And they're like, this movie just says that all men are horrible rapists and none of them understand women. It's like, no, this is the only movie that has Harvey Keitel as a legitimately wonderful person. Yes, he's a nice guy. And Michael Madsen. Ne- like, Michael Madsen is a great guy. He ends up stepping up to the plate. Neither, yeah, and they, neither a of them. jerky, but that's okay. Neither of them show their dick. It's great. It's something it's they both like to do a lot. How about now? <laughs> They're going to get together and go rob a bank in a couple. Yeah, and I could just, like, he still sees this now. It's like, anytime there's something that says, like, sometimes women are mistreated by the men in their lives, and everyone just goes, oh, well, I don't do that. It's like, no one asked you. <laughs> <laughs> and also, 
you probably did. Like the amount of men who have done stuff that they don't even realize because nobody talks about it and women don't bring it up because we're afraid of getting murdered. Yeah. It's like, okay, <laughs> let's say that you didn't. Yeah, know someone who did, yeah. statistically speaking. So you... instead of saying, oh, no, not I, said said the little red hen. How about you uh, like go, oh, okay, that sucked. That's all we want. <laughs> Nope. I, I want a little bit more. I also want okay. when you oh, see you? something going on, say something. See something, mm. say something. When you hear a shitty joke, say that's not cool. When you see someone being like weird with a lady, say step up, lay off, dude. Like mm. you gotta yeah. be proactive here, guys. Like, mm-hmm. yep. If you don't treat us right, then uh, we are going to kidnap cops and fuck Brad Pitt. It's the only that's way. And then, it's the only way. That's you make only, it. You make it sound like everybody wins. <laughs> that's how you learn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this. I hadn't watched it in a long time, and it's weird that I'm going to relate this to a very, very different movie by the end of the show. But mm. one of those things I didn't really notice before is how the characters kind of switch roles about halfway through. They very yes. it's very gradual too. Mm-hmm. Where, yeah, Gina Davis is sort of like ditzy and Susan Saran is very bossy and then like gradually kind of cross over into yes. how how they act and how they support each other. And it's just fucking cool. It's so they're both. My God. I mean, there are a lot of different actresses were uh, attached to this at some point. Jodie Foster and Michelle Pfeiffer were attached to this at one point. <laughs> it's like I can kind of see what the weirdest was Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn. I can oh, see it. my. That's an alter- alternate universe I would like that to be in. Universe. But yeah. I, yeah, I mean, Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis, I think, give us the, uh, like when you said Michelle Pfeiffer and Jodie Foster, they're both a little too cool for these roles, mm-hmm. I think. Like, I, it would mm-hmm. be very hard to picture them in that situation. Um, I'm but to yeah, imagine Jodie Foster about- dancing. Like, you just can't <laughs> even picture it. But I love what you're saying about them like switching roles in a lot of ways because that is what people do for each other. Like yep. one steps up when the other can't. And, <laughs> you know, it's it's yeah. just it's such a beautiful meditation on these women together. And I mean, the fact that Susan Sarandon makes the choice to not be with Michael Madsen, who would be able to take care of her because she knows like her love runs deeper to Gina Davis. And also too, I do think like Gina Davis's character, like you do see such a change in her over the course of the movie. And it really makes you realize nothing had been asked of her before that in her life. Mm -hmm. She was gorgeous. She married, you know, the person she was probably supposed to be married to. And all she was expected to do was like way below what her actual abilities and like personality gave her. And so you get to see her like, blossom in this movie and it took some crimes to do it but <laughs> she got there and i do think too like you know the ending that's like so famous with that's what know, i want to talk about going off the cliff which is just i don't even know how they filmed that first of all that's a whole other conversation but i mean like if you want to even view that as like symbolic of their like self-actualization like both of them kind of hmm. reaching like a higher level of their own like beings like they you know, they both kind of became their most authentic selves and it was kind of the only place for them to go, which is up, mm. you know, in, in a certain, it's one way to interpret that, I guess. Um, I like mm. to think that they made it to the other side of the Grand Canyon and are <laughs> on their way to their happy life together. I, I saw Ro- animal rescue or something. I saw but- Roger Ebert <laughs> kind of criticized the movie for that just because like, 
you got us all the way here, and then you're afraid to show us what really happened. You give us the idea that maybe that what th- there was another side to the canyon that they got down on. It just fades mm-hmm. to white instead of seeing an explosion. But I, I do wonder. I, I do. I am curious how you feel about the ending because yeah, ending- I love it because also mm-hmm. too like to see it crash and burn or an explosion or mm-hmm. whatever would give too much satisfaction to the fucking misogynists that are like these two bitches. <laughs> well, at least they got yeah. theirs in the end. It's no, man. See them it's- ascending to heaven in a car like hello yeah no it's the butch and sundance ending yeah it's the exact same as butch cassidy and sundance all i gotta say to that sarah is we know we can see it in our heads but we don't need to see it all all i gotta say to that sarah is not all good morning america film critics Uh, (laughs) (laughs) that's me defending gene shallot uh, but <laughs> but I, I yeah, do the ending. But... I, the ending I do think is weird only because of like things I've written before, and you see first drafts of things. Almost every movie enters into Hollywood studios where all the characters die in the end, and they're like, absolutely not. <laughs> That's not going to happen. What if this is a success, and we want to do Thelma Louise bust loose or something like that? <laughs> and I that, I do feel that is a little bizarre because like no major Hollywood movie is allowed to end like that. Just. Just a mm. wink at the camera, but it's not—it's not a sad ending. Uh, no, it's, no, it's the opposite. That's not at all. But uh, we're, the, we're the two main characters dying forever. <laughs> yes, they're the mm. two people who loved each other the most in the world. I mean, I didn't say together. I guess fine. It's a good death. No, I, yeah, and they're—they're they're up against a system that's completely stacked against them. It's going to charge them for a murder that they should be charged with, and yeah. Yeah, you yeah. want to go to jail for the rest of your life, or you want to dry off in a blaze of glory? I am not arguing this, but do you think it is, is it tonally weird? Does it make the movie any weirder when you watch it? The idea that you don't get to see these women survive? No, no. Okay. I think it's great. Me I too. like that it's ambiguous. I mean, you know, I really like, too, the choice that after, you know, Gina Davis character was sexually assaulted susan sarandon shot that dude as he was walking (laughs) away like i kind of like the fact that there's no like equivocation here like was that justified or was that not you know like Mm. or actually she was walking away from him she's walking away sorry she turns back around to shoot him ostensibly they were not in immediate danger at that point and ostensibly they also did the world a favor potentially from the way that i love the little scene with the waitress whoever (laughs) played the waitress who's like talking to harvey keitel what a fun little role like she's so cute and like so funny in the way that she's talking to him she obviously like knows him they have like some sort of like back and forth like i kind of wanted to see even more of that too yeah i love love the little characters in this yeah her explanation of oh well she couldn't be a murderer because she left me a huge tip yeah she just keeps staring at him like (laughs) you know the way you don't leave me a huge tip (laughs) you know yeah he had it coming and that's the whole thing is like well they there don't seem to be witnesses so they could get their story straight and go to the cops but we know that louise has had an experience in the past we are never told what it is because this is not an after school special we know something very bad happened to her in texas and that's it so much so she needs to get to mexico from oklahoma and she doesn't want to drive through texas to do it which is like so look at a map (laughs) it's so great though because it does it gives us a whole story convention of why they're on this super long road trip you know like why it's taking them so far the way to get to mexico so Mm -hmm. it's like a great thing and then also like yeah that's believable like if something yeah. horrible happened to me in Rhode Island, you know I'd never go back there. Yep. Oh, come on, pick, pick a bigger, more it's fun so state. Pick a bigger, more fun state with more in it. Come on. <laughs> How fast could you haul ass through Rhode Island, though? Well, uh, luckily, 
I also w- wish I could bring people back to the pre-internet moment where Brad Pitt made his film debut, which is a thing that Woo. doesn't really matter anymore. He'd been on TV a bunch uh, yep. in, in a lot of smaller roles, but like that dude was talked about like a legend even before Legends of the Fall and was had like book covers made almost immediately. That man was too pretty to exist and little oh girls were talking about it like immediately. It, oh, yeah. It was like a fucking bomb went off. <laughs> Everyone was like, who the fuck is that guy? Can we make every movie with him now, yeah. please? <laughs> Why don't all men look like him? Why? <laughs> I also Why? like that he's in like real himbo dirtbag mode too, which is oh, like... He's- such a, I mean, he's still, he's got a little bit of a James Dean impression going on. Yes. His jeans are way fucking too tight, and are yeah, they? plus plus he's got like that sub, the, the sort of nice Southern boy, gentlemanly, like calling everyone ma'am and Miss Louise and stuff. And it's like, ah, uh, and then you find out, oh, he's a total massive dirtbag, and you're still like, oh, I don't care. <laughs> you're just so precious. Oof. Come on, that him taunting the husband is like when the f- I laugh so much harder at that than oh, I think I ever have. I don't know why. I just this time that. of like I like your wife, and he just starts doing a little sexy dance. That was great. I forgot about that little part. Yeah, God this movie's fucking yep. amazing. It's yeah. so good. Also, the fashions amazing. <laughs> like, oh, everybody looks so good in their like slightly baggy t-shirt tank top and their tight jeans, mom jeans like buttoned up to their nipples. I love it so <laughs> much. Like a very, little kerchief around the neck to keep you cool in the dusty road. I'm into yeah. it, man. <laughs> yeah. That's I mean, it's I, I would just I God, I've spent so many years reading and thinking about, you know, the feminism of it. But I forgot, yeah, this movie's actually really funny. Mm-hmm. Like, Michael hadn't seen it. He wandered in while I was watching it. He ended up sitting down and like, yeah, we're laughing. It's There's a lot of comedy. Even when it turns serious, it's still pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I don't just heard. think, it's a chick flick. Because it's an action movie, goddammit. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a comedy action movie. I think it's funny all the time. But mostly because uh, everybody's playing a pretty over-the-top version of themselves, except for the people who always play over-the-top versions of themselves, like Harvey Keitel. Yeah. Mm. I know. It's such weird casting for mm. him. Of Just like he's so, he's like such a good guy. He's calm yeah. to date, doing his job, giving people benefit of the doubt. Really doesn't want to send these ladies to prison, but they just keep making it harder on him, man. <laughs> and then Michael Madsen. He's just trying to do the right thing. Yeah, maybe he's a little bit of a jerk sometimes and doesn't call as much as he should, but he's there for her when she needs it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. We got a free divorce. <sighs> oh, okay, on to the next movie. You ready? We all done yeah. with Thelma and Louise? Yes. Yeah, well, now that we've talked to Thelma and Louise, one of the two genders. Yes. We talked about the <laughs> other of the two genders. Well, a I didn't very even, masculine movie. <laughs> I didn't think about that at all, other than like I did have it written down like this is another dad movie I don't love. This is such a dad movie. Yeah. Uh, Donald Sutherland, J.T. Walsh, Rebecca De Mornay, Jennifer Jason Lee, Scott Glenn, Robert De Niro, William Baldwin, Kurt Russell. Now born at the box office this week, Ron Howard's Backdraft. It erupts with a deafening thunder. You have a bad day here. Somebody dies. And rages with a deadly power. It's a living thing, Brian. It breathes. It eats. It hates. It can create a hero. Or conceal a murder. From director Ron Howard, Backdraft, rated R. Ooh, rated R. I believe making this America's only theme park attraction based on a rated R movie. Yeah, Yeah, the Backdraft experience at Universal Studios. Universal, yeah. Yeah, Jaws is a rated R? I don't think so, so. no. It's PG. It should be. Should be. Just Mm. just for the mayor's suit. 
hurts my eyes. Barely an R, too. Yeah. yeah. It probably shouldn't be an down. R. It just, no. there, there's a couple of scenes where just like a body gets blown through something, which is like, wow, that was, I, I just want to mention this bef- before we forget about it. We are at the absolute end of the no CG era of film. That will end yep. this, like this summer on 30, 2010 yep. in the 90s. And yep. two years from now, every movie like this will have CG. Mm-hmm. So some of the stuff they do in the movie when someone's blasting a fire, I'm like, that looks genuinely violent. Whoa, how did they pull off I don't know. half of this shit? Because <laughs> it is... Okay, first of all, I really enjoyed this movie quite a bit. Like, yeah. when you were saying this is a dad movie, I was... When I first started... When I started it, I was like, this is giving me major frequency vibes, which is the, old, <laughs> the uber dad movie, obviously. And there is some, like, frequency vibes to this for sure. But this movie is so fun, so good. I did not realize it's like a murder mystery thriller, yeah. which is very cool. And it's also Hunks the movie. Like, <laughs> it was like a sexy calendar came to life. It truly is. I mean, Robert De Niro's given us some good stuff. William Baldwin... <laughs> That's there, there was a small part of me like really William Baldwin, yeah. Uh, but really I guess this William is like Baldwin. <laughs> but I, I, I think yeah, he's good in this. Honestly, he had the Brad Pitt part in Thelma and Louise, and, and vice then got versa. This one and Brad Pitt auditioned for Backdraft and didn't get it. Wow, <laughs> interesting. Well, that's an alternate universe that's happening right now. Exactly. Yeah, I, I just so. when when um I did I, I I knew this was directed by Ron Howard, but like I, you know I just half paying attention during the credits, and I'm just like oh yeah, this is Apollo 13. And uh, Apollo mm-hmm. 13, men who do brave things and respect one another while they do it. And, these, and Apollo 13, a movie like my grandfather's funeral, I'm happy to show up, salute at his funeral, and fold his flag. But we're not friends. I'm not going to spend a lot of time with you. <laughs> I, I don't no. like. I I don't like Apollo 13 as a film. It's just that like my dad fucking loves it. I'm like, oh, do you want to watch that again? Mm-hmm. Well, I love you, so let's Hi. do this. But Backdraft yeah. is, is exactly like that to me. Total dad oh. movie. I, I can kind of see that. I mean, it is where it's such a strange spot. Ron Howard's career is so strange. His last movie was Parenthood. Really? Man, he is all over the place. And I totally forgot this was a Ron Howard movie until I saw Clint Howard show up as a medical <laughs> yeah. examiner yeah. in like a bloody apron. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's either it's either a Ron Howard movie or trauma movie when Clint Howard yeah. shows up. <laughs> so I was thinking, like, this is a lot of fun to watch. The fire effects and all that stuff are, like, really impressive. And there's so much drama and firefighting. Why aren't there more firefighter movies? Agreed. And then by the time I got to the end of this, I was like, oh, because this is all the firefighter movies? Because we've got, you know, dad died as a firefighter. I got to prove something. We got, Mm -hmm. you know, the the older brother and the younger brother, and they're at each other's throat. We got a fire investigator. We've got a murder mystery. We've got corruption going on and also a love story we've got a guy and oh he just cares too much he takes too many risks and his wife just doesn't understand it's like that's like every plot i can think of for a firefighter movie. and mustaches and as far as the eye can see. In here. and also it has that guy and i don't know his name and no i refuse to look him up but he is the very short little round guy and he's also in I know exactly dennis leary about. the firefighter show Oh. Rescue me. Rescue me. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he's about. like constantly a firefighter. It's like he had to have been one in his previous career because I don't know why he'd be so into these firefighter yeah. shows all the time. Yeah. Oh, also, there's like a little Hannibal Lecter scene with Donald Sutherland yes. as, as an arsonist. And I'm like, what the hell? There is like, this movie has a lot of fat on it. Honestly, you could cut yes. out both subplots with the only women in it and you'd yeah. still have a pretty good movie. But yeah. I'm kind of glad they're there because it's like, yeah, this is 
all firefighter movies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a big old epic sprawling thing. And the cast sprawls so much, but they don't have enough name actors to play real suspects. Sarah, the man you speak of is uh, Jack McKee. Jack Jack McGee. What a cute name. Of course. Of course. He's the most Irish man I've ever laid my eyes upon. (laughs) Um, And he's a firefighter, so double Irish. Donald Sutherland's role in this is... (laughs) so fun he does such a good job with it too he could have like gone i mean he's over the top in Mm. this role certainly but just to the edge i feel like he could have gone further and it would have been like cartoonish he's just right there because firebugs are a real weird group Mm. of people and i feel like you know yeah he's he's doing it really well and he's he's one of two people to appear in the sequel like 50 fucking years later Mm -hmm. yeah him and william baldwin Mm -hmm. that's it um yeah, but like you're saying about, well, what about sequels? Speaking of things where characters die at the end. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they mm. easily didn't have to. You could easily have this all go the same way. And, you know, someone does CPR and yells, don't you die on me. And then they're, they're fine. No, mm-hmm. no, I'm not going to spoil who it is. But nope, nope, nope. I appreciate that. Also, then, I'd say then the funeral, like, again, Oof. no CG. The huge crowd they got to be at this. <laughs> This funeral. Wow. I mean, they must yeah. have seriously got every firefighter in Chicago. And like 50 which, bagpipes. It was... Oh, so many bagpipes. <laughs> so... And yeah. Another, I, I do, like, Kurt Russell is super Kurt Russelling here. Mm-hmm. I love that he does the tiniest hint of Chicago accent that's just enough to be like, oh, I'm not, I'm not your regular Kurt Russell. I am your Chicago Kurt <laughs> Russell. You can tell because I told them to put the fire hoses over there. Like, um, yeah, yeah, okay, good job, good job. I, I love Kurt Russell. No one else is trying. No I, one else bothers. I was telling some of my friend the other day, I love Kurt Russell so much. Every time someone tells me of something terrible politically that he believes, I'm like, I'm erasing that. I am not acknowledging <laughs> you just said. I am mementoing this. I don't care what he said about guns. He's Kurt Russell. He's the best. He's, yeah. he's Luckily, one of my favorite. I have, I have tattooed all over my body everything that Kurt Russell has ever said about politics. So. Remember, oh, Kurt oh, Russell said not all men on Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> also, I have to say, the more I see, do. I don't know, ever since that dang birthday quiz that we couldn't get with Scott Glenn, <laughs> now this man is like popping oh. up in everything. And I love him so much. Like, he's so right. good. Yeah. I just heard his WTF interview and he is a real... He's a real character. He's Easy. awesome. Wow. I can, I can listen to that guy yeah. talk for an hour? Yeah. Cool. It's very yeah. interesting. He's like a real deal, like, feminist, like, warrior poet. Like, he's the <laughs> re- he's out there. And I'm... Yeah. His, I his really background like is crazy. And, yeah. and, and it's like... His beliefs are not where you'd ex- you really would expect him to be. Like, I voted for Lyndon LaRouche. Right. <laughs> Instead, he's like, I give guns to lesbians so they can protect the buffalo. And you're like, yeah. oh, exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. He's he's a he's a character. He does have one uh, of the, the sillier descriptions of fire uh, I've ever seen in my life. But mm, uh, the beast. The beast. It's alive. It breathes and it does. And it's interesting. It's like, a, I don't know many firefighters, but I used to. And this is like almost every story they ever told. Like, the, and then the door swole up. And like, really? Oh, yeah. The door swole up? And you get to see all that kind of stuff. And it's, the movie gets attacked for its realism, but like Ron Howard just like, well, you wouldn't see anybody through the smoke. 
So, well, so we did. <laughs> I do have to say, though, personally, you really can't experience this film to the fullest extent unless you're sitting next to your husband, who used to be a volunteer firefighter, mm-hmm. and will explain fire to you yes. multiple <laughs> times throughout this movie, which is what it Sammy is, did it for is me. All, <laughs> but I mean, I think that's the beautiful thing about it. It's why I wanted to bring up the CG thing. There is a lot of stupid, unrealistic thing that happens with fire, but they do it on screen with no smoke. And so when things pop up and occur out of nowhere, like... That means there's a fire choreographer, and I don't think they work anymore, because this shit is yeah. dancing around Kurt Russell unmasked the whole time. Billy, that yeah. couple slow motion they're, they're, shots, they run they're in the shots. fire mm-hmm. yeah. a bunch of times. And, and it's definitely them, the yeah. actors. Yeah. Like, I mean, I know there's a lot of stunt doubles doing a lot of stuff, but there are definitely some scenes where I'm like, these actors are actually No, there's, there's actual multiple danger. reports from the, the movie set that like people had, like... Is Kurt okay? I can't see him. Send everyone in. And it, you know, turned out he got out, but there was like a literal five alarm situation where you lose an actor in the middle of a fire shot. That's uh, wild. Yeah. It totally happens. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I, I think it's, you know, I, I feel like it's worth watching just for yet yeah, the fire action. It's all uh-huh. really impressive. And yeah, and I mean, you'll be waiting a long time. The fire, a sound. <laughs> <laughs> sure. The growling sounds the fire makes, it's like you got a little bit of roll in your eyes, but still like that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's really it's it's really neat. It's just a great th- that area of Chicago to set the movie in. Like it's just so pretty. It's so pretty. Mm-hmm. I, I did watch a little bit of Rescue Me, but it's it's it feels like they didn't stay around stick around Manhattan a lot. It's just like downtown Chicago. This looks mm. beautiful. Mm-hmm. Way to set yep. in a big city. And most people don't bother to do that because those are very difficult scenes to shoot, especially when you're dealing with real fire. And which they are. And again, like Thelma and Louise, some of the most like insane how was no one hurt in this explosion explosions mm-hmm. I've ever seen on film. Backdraft. Didn't love it. <laughs> but uh don't don't hate it. Respect. But I it. did. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah, I mean I yeah. mean you, you name checked frequency earlier. I think you, you have a bigger stomach for these dad movies than I do. I sure do. I don't know. The the dad thing in this movie like doesn't end up affecting anything it's another one of those like well we could cut this out but then we wouldn't be every single fireman movie true and yeah with that after it. an hour we can move on from movies and into the television <sighs> if you remember this jingle would you Get disappointed because Out of This World is canceled. The uh, syndicated sitcom about the half alien girl with the alien parents. Yeah, they all leave. There's another alien show out this week. I don't know how much to say. But then on the 23rd. One of the most iconic episodes of television, honestly, of sitcom history, and certainly for Seinfeld. This is one of the most iconic episodes. And also an episode that we've previously covered Mm -hmm. in a laser time. I think I grabbed the same clip again because I think it's so. It's like the first couple seconds of it Seinfeld the Chinese restaurant because it's something like we haven't been able to go out and eat in a year but you Mm -hmm. should dare me to do this Mm because I don't care I would love to do this I feel like just walking over there and taking some food off of somebody's plate I'll tell you what there's 50 bucks in it for you if you do it what do you mean you walk over to that table you pick up an egg roll you don't say anything You eat it, say thank you very much, (laughs) wipe your mouth, walk away, I give you 50 bucks. (laughs) What are they going to do? They won't do anything. In fact, you'll be giving them a story to tell for the rest of their (laughs) life. 50 bucks? You'll give me 50 bucks? 50 bucks. That table over there, the three couples. Okay, I, I, 
I don't want to go over there and do it and then come back here and find out there was some little loophole like an input mustard on it. No, no tricks. Should I do it, Jim? For 50 bucks? I put my face in this soup and blow it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to play that whole clip because it's a good example of the episode. It is the most play-like episode of Seinfeld. One scene mm-hmm. shot in real time the first time they ever did that. Yeah. Um, and I mean, previously I had talked about how Seinfeld has so many play-like elements to it. Mm-hmm. There are so many monologues where they're describing a story that happened at another time. The scene was so angry that day, my friends. <laughs> Precisely. And the thing I say every time I go to the beach, no matter what the wave situation is like. But yeah, this is a perfect episode. It's a perfect example of a bottle episode. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Makes me crave Chinese food every time I watch it. I mean, we do not have a good Chinese restaurant here in Tallahassee, not a good unfortunately. Scene. I don't know. It's iconic. It's It's a classic and for it's, a reason. It's, it's something I didn't realize that they had to fight incredibly hard for. This uh-huh. is the first, not only time, Larry David threatened to quit. They're like, you absolutely cannot do this. There's no story here. And like Larry David having to argue like, they're trying to see a movie. Elaine is hungry. George is waiting for a phone call. I don't know what you think is so fucking exciting about my two dads that's happening on that one set <laughs> uh, and not real time is happening. It's so relatable. Mm-hmm. Like we've all mm-hmm. been there and we've all had that. I hate, <laughs> it's a very, I'm I sure hate how a relatable word. it is. I'm sure there's a German word for the particular angst that comes along with trying to decide if you should just commit to the wait at a restaurant or try to go find something else and <laughs> maybe have to wait longer or like the travel time. It's going Lit- to get the, there. An hour will be over anyways. Like da, da, da. the that last, the last time I did anything, the last time I did anything with your husband, it was held up over like, I don't know if I'll have time to eat. And like, I also don't care. This is the first time we'll ever be out in a year. Just co- get there when you get there. But I know, I know that do, do I eat here? Oh, that'll take an hour or do I go over there and eat at that place I don't want specifically for movies too mm-hmm. Sam and I have that conversation yeah. you don't know how many times I've had hot dog dinner What's- at the AMC because I'm like <laughs> we just can't go to a restaurant we don't have time mm-hmm. so luckily the Culver's opened by the AMC so now we'll be able to eat oh my god <laughs> my Wisconsin my, my fellow cheese heads we just got a Culver's up in our city and I have had two frozen custards and Ooh, I, 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 I got to stop. I just didn't eat yesterday because I'm going to go there tomorrow. Mm. Just eat one again. Oh, I think the secret sauce of this episode is James Hong, motherfucker. Yes. And he's mm-hmm. going coast to coast I know. this week. We got him in 2011. I'm so happy. Cartwright. Cartwright. I love that guy. I, I saw Spike first eat saying, like, that's a dumb joke that no one will ever get. Costanza rhymes with Bonanza and Cartwright is the name of the family on Bonanza. Uh. And like, why would a non-English speaker make that fucking connection at all what is what is that a reference like that Bonanza was on TV maybe maybe he watched Bonanza and that's how he learned to speak English oh no tiny village in Sichuan he's someone who speaks uh, like Mandarin and English (laughs) absolutely not he wouldn't see Simpsons on a sheet and be like Homer Homer (laughs) that's not how it would work uh, but, but also this episode is typically listed very high on the uh, the list of Seinfeld episodes it shows it showed how Seinfeld could be bold and different and is the first episode to not feature Kramer because Kramer was a character who in conception was supposed to be uh, not agoraphobic, but like never left the apartment. Right. So it right. didn't follow him on their adventures in the first two seasons. Mm-hmm. And uh, Which also it's astounding that a episode this strong is this early in the run of Seinfeld. I mean, Just. Yeah. I, th- I thought this was earlier actually, just cause like, 
this is one of the first episodes I kind of remember seeing, but uh, yeah, I haven't. I, again, if you haven't had the chance to watch them sequentially, it's really fun because I'd never mm-hmm. had that luxury before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hulu for Hulu. But, yeah, so we're only not even halfway through season two, yep. right? Gosh, yep. And it is very much on the bubble, but this is, I think, the, one of the most watched episodes of that year. And then finally in television, oh boy, Stanley Cup, Pit, Pit, Pittsburgh Penguins. Penguins beats uh, the Minnesota North Stars. And I realize how little I know about hockey now. I never heard of one of those teams before. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Minnesotan. Games of 1991. We'll go way more in depth on this on uh, patreon.com slash laser time. We have a brand new episode up for you this very week. But Adventure Island 2 is out during this period, which I only think is odd because the original is one of my favorite games ever. I've, I've actually never played this. So maybe I'll do that and tell you what I think about it. 1991 music as we conclude 1991. One of the, I think one of the just best movie segments we've ever had. Mm-hmm. Uh, not in terms of what we contributed, just in terms of the movies themselves. Ah, uh, speak just. for yourself. <laughs> yeah. I like... thought I did great. <laughs> um, yeah, even, even the shitty ones are interesting to watch. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I I really like all of those movies, and back including Backdraft, which I saw for the first time. New releases include Blessed Are the Sick by Morbid Angel. Morbid Morbid Angel's this old self titled debut of Electronic and the genre of the band, uh, and Forever My Lady by the debut of Jodeci. What is this decade correct? This feels like all like it, it should be in the next segment, but here it is: yeah. Morbid Angel and Jodeci. Uh, your parents are going to be very excited. Ask them. Uh, I don't want to cry by Mariah Carey's number one, and that's what we'll close out with. But stay right there, people. We have a ton of other great stuff to talk to you about right after this. Folks, you know us here at the Laser Time Network. We consume a lot of content for quote-unquote research purposes. <laughs> From games to TV shows to movies, we're always online downloading something, streaming something. But there are times when it's nearly impossible to access a piece of content you want because it isn't available in the U.S. for whatever reason. Oh, those things like annoying licensing deals, geo-restricted servers, or platforms that are just not available in your location make it next to impossible to get your hands on the stuff you want. Hey, that's why we couldn't be happier that NordVPN is our sponsor today, and they provide an easy-to-use workaround for all these problems. With over 5,400 servers in 59 countries, they can always find a server to get us access to the game, shows, and movies we need to do our job. It could not be any simpler to use either. With their AutoConnect feature, you can instantly access the fastest VPN solutions out there across a variety of devices, including PC, Android, iOS, Mac, and even more. Hey, maybe even Android TV. Just open a map, click on a location, and you'll be connected in seconds. It is that easy. Is there a game or movie or TV show not available in your country? It's not a problem anymore. Just change your virtual location for access to a variety of international storefronts. You can even do this to access different streaming platforms that may not be available in your home country. Talking to you, Canada. You can find discounts on games, lower streaming subscriptions, and even take advantage of international sales and pricing. So how do you get on this? Easy. Go to nordvpn.com slash lasertime or use the coupon code lasertime to get a two-year plan plus one additional month with a huge discount. And hey, they even have a 30-day money-back guarantee, so you've got nothing to lose. Once again, go to nordvpn.com slash lasertime to use the code lasertime, one word, to get a two-year plan plus one additional month at a huge discount. Thank you, NordVPN. Chris. Matt. 
Come with me mm. on a journey of the mind. Imagine shaving with a sleek, well-designed and optimized trimmer that makes shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. Mm. You too could be one of the first people to try the new Lawnmower 4.0 and be blown away by the performance. The craftsmanship and details on the 4.0 are next level. We've talked about our trials and travails while trying to tame the hair down there. Let's just say that areas of the body were placed in peril that should never be put in such precarious positions. I've been manscaping for a very long time, oftentimes with painful results. I don't know why those other trimmer guys even call those things guards, because it certainly wasn't doing its job in guarding anything <laughs> the times that it resulted in injury. Take my word for it, manscaping has always been something I've been very much into, and no one made a product specifically for and I didn't think I could be happier with the previous Manscaper, but man, I cannot wait to try out the Lawnmower 4.0. Chris, Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and an incredibly comfortable grooming experience. The fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. I now feel confident shaving my beautiful baby boys down under. This upgraded trimmer includes a multifunction on and off switch with a travel lock so that you don't run out of battery when you're on the go. It doesn't accidentally turn on there in your bag. Not that you would run out of battery, because get this, the 4.0 features a new wireless charging system that uses Whoa. electromagnetic induction, Whoa. which can help your battery last longer. So longer charge, shorter hairs. Ah. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths with sizes one through four. It's true, it's true, fellas. You gotta figure out which one's right for you because if you're like me and have a hairy tummy or everywhere else, you can't just go shorn have it look like a brush fire occurred in the middle of your body yeah this isn't a one-size-fits-all thing i go a little bit longer in the chest region mm -hmm. i go with it's the magnum is what i call it the magnum pi look but this also gives you the ability to turn the 4000k led spotlight on or off when needed for a more precise shave the other thing i gotta mention it here fellas if you've been using the same trimmer on your face that you do mm -hmm. on your nuts don't do that you are doing it all wrong. No one wants to end up with pubes in their mouth. That's disgusting. <laughs> it's time to get your own ball hair and body trimmer with Manscaped to make mm -hmm. me time the best time and enhance your confidence with some nice, smooth baby boys. Mm -hmm. And right now, Chris, our listeners can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code LASERTIME at manscaped.com. That's right. 20% off free shipping with the code LASERTIME at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com using promo code LASERTIME. One word, baby. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. You know it's pre-9-11 if Uncle Cracker's on the jukebox. Uh, follow me, ladies and gentlemen. Here it is. Uncle Cracker. Welcome it's to 2001. I'm, good. It's just like have... If I, if I, oh, God. If I have not said this before, at this point in my life, I am going to school full-time and working every night for seven hours a night at a Chinese restaurant delivering Chinese food, so I live by the radio. I hate every song from this period for how much I had to hear it. 
so it, it, it could be a good song. I don't know. And then my CD player would run out of batteries, and my ta- or my tape adapter would shit the bed. This is this is the period we're living in. I think we previously heard this song though during the opening of Three Thousand Miles to Graceland during that like batshit yeah. scorpion fight. Like, <laughs> that was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Kurt Russell can do no wrong. Two thousand one, May twenty first to twenty seventh, music releases. Flowers by Echo and the Bunnymen is out. The self titled debut of Deltron Thirty Thirty. Opened by Cowboy Junkies. What decade is this again? It's all wrong. <laughs> Scream If You Want to Go Faster by Jerry Hallowell. Who's that? Gingy? Gingy Spice? Yeah. Um, Black Trash, the autobiography of Kirk Jones by Sticky Fingers. Here and Now, Ike Turner's first solo album in 30 years. And Machine by Static X. All for You by Janet Jackson is still number one. Huh. I thought... I thought still! That, yeah, I didn't remember that song being that big because I'd barely seen the video. We want a little news to, to wage in uh, 2001. Jane Fonda and Ted Turner divorce after 10 years of bliss i would say reclusive bliss because they were spotted a lot in my hometown yeah they uh, love this area yeah they (laughs) they lived they lived in a remote farm area where like somehow tallahassee was the city and ted turner built the restaurant there and ted's montana grill Actually, probably the place Tallahassee would get the best burgers. The Bison Burgers? Yeah. Don't at me, Tallahassee people. (laughs) Don't worry. They won't. There's one or two of them. I'm Um, really surprised considering how much of Montana and Wyoming he owns. Yes. Florida. I think, but it's also close to work. Well, well, that's true. Yeah, I would understand Atlanta, but... Our area of Florida is gorgeous and very close to the greatest beaches in the United States. Yeah, if then, not the world, so a lot of secluded farmland up north. Nowhere near as cool as Miami. And then, and uh, also in two thousand one, May twenty first to twenty seventh, uh, the Democrats gained control of the U.S. Senate for the first time since nineteen ninety four, when J- Senator James Jeffords of Vermont abandons the Republican Party and declares himself an independent. Yep, it can be done, Mister <laughs> Romney. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't bet on it. But yeah. it, it like no, as it as was, as we've it seen, was fucking nuts though. Because like I mean, we're early ish in the Bush presidency mm-hmm. before things you know take the turn and then the other turn, and he he was just like, no, we're we're just being a bunch of obstructionist dickheads. We're not actually helping people. Like we're supposed to fucking help people, and I'm sick of it. <laughs> Becomes an independent, starts caucusing with the Democrats. Eventually, uh, he retires. And a man, I believe, named Bernie Sanders takes over his spot. Right. Yeah. That man had fucking balls, Mr. Romney. And here, here's something I don't remember, but I am retroactively livid by. Mm-hmm. America Online is raising its rates from $21.95 to $23.95 for unlimited dial-up use. <laughs> Do you, I never had to pay my own AOL fee. My parents did that. I'm not even sure how much it costed. But I also remember I thought the only way to get online was America Online mm-hmm. for a very long time. I didn't realize I could just click my internet browser and do everything and not be bombarded by AOL ad advertorial. Mm. But the I, mm. I cannot imagine $25 of 2001 money for the slowest internet in the universe. We're talking no video, no music. Like (laughs) none of that. Wikipedia is even out yet. Like what, what the fuck were they charging for? You don't even make the stuff that you're charging for. Oh, it's worse than Comcast. Although you may or may not have been able to see the website for one of these movies that we're about to talk about, which I went to go look at today. No, it is still technically online, but because it is flash based, it will not work. Okay. Oh, okay. But someone archived, 
watched it on YouTube, and I cannot wait to talk about this website. It can't be the first movie, can it? It is. It's a website for a small independent movie that was a huge hit at festivals. Could not find a distributor because even like Weinstein, the Miramax, all them were like, no, this is too complicated. It's not going to make a fucking dime. I, I cannot believe they say that shit. And I know I've seen it a lot and watching it again today. How is this complicated? It's just like, yeah. it's just, there's so many it's movies not, that, that jump. It's not just, it's complicated, but it, it almost, it is like, even in the ads, they say, you should just go see this twice. Just pay and see it twice. Mm, it's better yeah, the second yeah. time anyway. Mm. Um, But that's the movie I'm kind of most excited to talk about. A little movie from a director nobody liked named Christopher Nolan, and I don't care what you say, none of you saw Following. This is the first time you've heard of Christopher Nolan. And this made a huge splash critically, and I don't think it's something I saw in theaters, but it was something every person my age kind of got on DVD. It it had an incredible word of mouth in theaters because eventually the the production company just released it on their own. They just like, we need to get this out to people. I mean, it hit much bigger on DVD, but I I can say I saw it in the theaters because I'm a fancy schmance person in a major city. Uh, It cost four and a half million dollars. It brought in 40 just at domestic box office. Wow. Wow. And then DVD is when it really took off. This was one of those early DVDs, I thought. Everyone had this in Fight Club, damn it. Yep. Yeah. It's almost the same cover as well. Uh, Joe Paneliano, Carrie Ann Moss, Guy Pierce. it's Memento. I have this condition. It's my memory. Richard Roper of Ebert and Roper in the Movies calls Memento easily the best film so far this year. See it once and you've got to see it again. My wife deserves vengeance. But even if you get revenge, you're not going to remember it. Ingenious, you'll want to stay in the theater and see it again. The one entertainment experience this year worth repeating. I've told you this before, haven't I? Memento, rated R. Man, so Memento's website, which is memento spelled backwards dot com. Thank you. Otenmem, which is written by Jonathan Nolan, Christopher Nolan's brother, who helped him wrote wrote, they kind of the same time wrote the screenplay and a short story. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jonathan Nolan was in college at the time and it became like this fucking phenomenon. And it's one of those last ones that even though it's during the Internet, people aren't spilling the beans. Mm-hmm. They're just telling everyone, go see it. I don't want to tell you anything about it. Just go see mm-hmm. it. Oh, I, <sighs> I, I love, I, I love, I don't know how to describe Memento, but a man who yeah. has no short term memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, in order to remind himself of certain details, because he can't remember anything he experiences after this traumatic head incident, but he knows his wife is dead, someone is responsible, and he tattoos all the information he can on his body to remind himself every time he wakes up from whenever his memory flashes, basically of all the things that he's learned and the things he has to remember to do. And mm-hmm. it's fucking awesome. And it's again, and, one of the, one and of, is told backwards. It's in, it's, yeah. it's told backwards and forwards. It envelopes yes. on itself. Um, here's the church, here are the people, open the doors, here are the people. Uh, but <laughs> it does that. One of these things with it. I believe that cause the scenes are outlined as, a one S two. So it's the alphabet backwards. So that's how they, they did it in production. Black and white sequences are told forwards and color sequences right. unspool backwards. The movie is not played backwards. The scenes are played backwards, right. but that's but the, the, the black and white scenes are sequential mm-hmm. and they are the oldest part of the movie. They're the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. and they lead up to the, the end of the movie, which is it the turns middle into color, <laughs> which is actually the middle. Yes. And then, 
the scenes are sequential backwards and they have little bits of overlap to remind you where the next the last scene began is where this scene is going to end and mm-hmm. and we we've seen many movies tell their story out of sequence looking at you tarantino mm. but this is more like this really makes you feel what that you are afflicted with whatever the character has every yeah every uh five minutes you don't know where you are or what you're doing because you've just forgotten or haven't been told you're unaware and mm-hmm. it is so much fun. I haven't watched this movie in like 10 to 20 years, and this is far and away my biggest recommend of the week. I loved it. Yeah, loved it. I, I hadn't watched it for 20 years mm-hmm. and was on the fence of, do I need to rewatch this? I feel like I remember it. I rewatched it, and I'm so glad I did. So I can, you know, authoritatively say, holds up. Yeah, it's just such an interesting Hold, concept. Holds up real well. Apparently, on certain DVDs, there is a oh. hidden feature to watch the movie sequentially. Oh, oh, here's but why would you? Here's my time to shine. I found I found that digging through a box about six months ago. I have the Memento Special Edition DVD. It's not exactly easy to find. It wasn't printed in uh, huge quantities. It is without a doubt the most ridiculous and possibly the worst DVD packaging of all time. <laughs> it, it looks like Sammy Jacobs's case file. Remember, Sammy Jacobs is something the main character tattoos on his hand to remember someone he knew as an insurance claims adjuster who lost his memory every couple minutes. So the first thing he looks at, like, remember, you have this brain, <laughs> this memory disease that Sammy Jacobs has. God damn it! I was just going to get in the DVD. It, I, I look, I will because I, I was like, I popped it on and I was like, what the fuck? This is impenetrable. So the movie goes out of its way to like kind of really get you behind the eyes of its character in in the way the story is told. And the DVD tries that too. Um, so if you, I looked up an article, DVD Talk has a guide to the memento navigation because it is <laughs> not easy. When you first insert the first disc, you are uh, confronted with a test for, of your memory. A series of words flash by and you are required to remember those to navigate the menu, which is, the test of, uh, which is a test of text retention. As music right. plays from the film, a five-word column list <laughs> will appear. To get deeper, you have to put them in sequence. On the DVD, and this is when the internet was sort of just starting with this shit, it's like, yeah, they got the sequential memento played here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to see it. Well, no one could confirm it was actually there because the second disc, disc two, uh, the venue displays 24 graphic iPhone icons, but only six of these icons get you into the disc two's menu. <laughs> the compass, the clock, the book, the globe, the skull, and the binoculars. Uh, to access the chronological re-edit, select the clock, then choose uh, the letter C in the multiple choice question. There is no <laughs> skipping any of this at all. I have to remind you. You'll see a quiz that shows you a four illustrated panels of a woman changing a flat in a tire. The quiz asks you to place the panels in the chronological order. This is half of the directions to one of the features on the on the DVD. So most people are like, this is stellar, a great movie, great features. This sucks. This is like, <laughs> there's no way to skip this. Every time you do this, it is like playing a very hard puzzle uh, you put in your disc. So I encourage you, if you see it out there, it, it is a very innocuous looking DVD. It's it, The me- name Memento is very, very small and not on the spine. But it looks like a it looks like a case file folder, a blue case file folder. Sorry, but Memento weird like uh, post Matrix performances from Carrie Ann Moss and Joe Pantoliano. Mm-hmm. Who I, I, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of something beyond the Marvel Netflix series that I even like saw Carrie Ann Moss again. Maybe Mission to Mars. But like, yeah, I watched this. I think my friends and I watched this like once a week after the yeah. movie came out on DVD. We all love this fucking movie. Has Joey Pants ever not played a scumbag? <sighs> 
Oh, that was one quote I found from Christopher Nolan that I loved, which he said it was not intentional, but he realized watching it with test audiences that casting Joey Pants was yep. like the smartest thing he ever did because mm-hmm. we all don't trust that guy because mm-hmm. he's Joey Pants and he always plays bad guys. And Le- Leonard has a thing that says, don't trust his lies. And so we, the audience, just like the character, have basically duped ourselves accidentally into never trusting him when he's actually telling the truth most of the time. Nah, man. Joey Pants with a mustache, not trusting that well, for a second. I mean, and let's be honest. If you are watching Memento in 2001, you're also watching The Sopranos. And you were probably a big <laughs> Matrix fan. Let's let's be yes, honest. I was. I was. But the only yeah. person you trust less than Joe Penaliano with a mustache is Joe Penaliano with a backwards Kangol hat. Never trust that guy. <laughs> That's how he did all press for this. Yeah. Uh, I I, I really don't even want to spoil anything from this. I I love this movie. Let's not, especially because I definitely saw it when it came out and I actually was planning on rewatching it for the show and I got halfway through and then we had to record. So I still have to watch the end of it. It's okay. There's nothing. So you got through the first and last quarter? It's so hard to figure out. I do have to say, though, that like that's basically like Christopher... it's Christopher, watch all my movies twice, Nolan. Like, that's mm-hmm. really the only way that you can appreciate most of his movies. And, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I don't know. Tenet really kind of put a bad taste in my mouth for Christopher Nolan. I was kind of kind of done with his deal for a little while. Um, and, you know, revisiting this and then he, Christopher Nolan is so technically great and so interesting. But, man, his movies lack some real heart. There's mm. really not a mm. lot of like, there's not a lot of warmth to grab onto. And I'm someone who's, who is attracted to that sort of thing. So while I've always appreciated Christopher Nolan films for, you know, how beautiful they are and how technically amazing they are. And the story is so intricate usually. And I really can't ever say that I like to go back and rewatch them because of it, it's it really, it's very clinical. Like watching mm. his, he, he feels like a very clinical filmmaker. Like he's trying to, teach us something instead of like i don't know i go to mm-hmm. art to feel something not always to i, I see what you're saying but yeah. I, 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 go... I think i mean he does have there's a lot of philosophical stuff going on in here yes. about obviously the, the nature of memory the nature of self-delusion how a little bit of bad information that you hold on to will spin you off in completely the wrong direction mm-hmm. we're looking uh, at you yeah. capital protesters yeah, <laughs> I was thinking about QAnon after this. It was like this one pi- one piece of garbage information mm-hmm. that gets lodged in becomes the prism that you see everything else through. Yeah. And yeah. it leads him down a path that is very logically correct, but completely fucking wrong. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. That, maybe that's why a lot of his films leave me so cold as well. Hey, they are cold films. But that, I mean, I was a philosophy major and I just, I kind of had my fill of like <laughs> these kinds of dudes who are like, well, technically, blah, 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 something awful. And it's mm-hmm. just like, yeah, philosophically, technically, yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. Mm-hmm. But mm, you're leaving me cold, dude. Like, this is, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah. This is his only like a very like gritty noir film, which is super fun because yeah. I, I mean, I need Diana to clarify. Uh-huh. I, I don't know who. Guy Pierce had not done that much, at least not that I had seen. I think he'd made Ravenous and L.A. Confidential, yeah. mm-hmm. and yeah. but was like not your leading man. So like I think once again Brad Pitt dropped out of this movie, which is literally a thing that happened, and they went with Guy Pierce, who has like a really good detective narration. 
Yeah, uh, and I, he's he's really fixed his his American accent. Yes. Like confidential. <laughs> There's a couple places it's not great in that. Um, yeah. I find I find Guy Pierce to be so off putting. There's something really? about him to me is almost uncanny valley. And we're watching him now on HBO and Mayor of Easttown. Yeah, something about him really is he's. He gives me, he's a very disconcerting. Is he a good guy or bad guy me. on that show? Unclear. Sweet. Might yeah. have check it out. Yeah, actually, I think it was uh, my husband, we were talking about this, pointed out, it's like, have I ever seen him in anything with his actual accent? Because he's, he's born in uh, England, but he's an Aussie. And I realized the mm. only thing I can think of off the top of my head is Priscilla Queen of the Desert. Yeah, that might be <laughs> it. Which um, is. I was going to say Count of Monte Cristo, but I'm like, no, that was not an Australian accent. But I love Luis Guzman in that movie. Uh, Yeah. But it is, I mean, yeah, it's definitely a noir, but uh, I posit that it takes place in the Batman universe because for no reason, Thomas Lennon is a doctor again. It does. That That was confirmed by Thomas Lennon, not Nolan. But he said that ah. Nolan told him that. Like uh, in the flashbacks <laughs> to Sammy Jakis, Tom Lennon, uh, Lieutenant Dangle, is the doctor. And he appears in The Dark Knight Rises as a doctor. And, yep. he, and he's like, I can't do a Tom Lennon impression. Like, yeah, Nolan said he wanted to tie those universes together. Which is, <laughs> is interesting because like, you know, the internet in crack should have spent like a good decade jerking off about whether that was a thing. Where like, Nolan, like, no, I'm making the thing, bitch. Uh, Momento and Batman are in the same yeah. universe. He's somewhere outside of Gotham, somewhere beyond the Palisades. Uh, this is all happening in Batman's universe, which is totally fun to think of. And that's, that, that is the only connection you have to his other films. It's it's Lieutenant Dangle and Momento. <laughs> uh, and, and his yeah, trajectory. Any of those. Yeah, there's no actors in here that he repeats again besides mm-hmm. Tom Lennon, right? Uh, I think no. no he's like no, famously uh, reuses his favorite. The the hotel clerk is the a corrupt cop in Batman Begins. Right, right, right. And, oh, and I thought that guy looked familiar. I want to okay. say Guy Pierce was in. Why wouldn't he use Guy Pierce again? For fuck's sake, like ease up on the Michael Caine and Tom Hardy. You had Never Mi- ease up on them. Uh, what? You yeah. had Michael Caine show up in Tenet to deliver a sentence. Like, the, what's the point? He's, <laughs> he's the above movie. the title. <laughs> no, there's one sentence. But uh, Guy Pierce, I really, I, I can't think of many things I've seen him in that I don't like. Oh, uh, uh, Prometheus. That was terrible. Oh. That was, Ooh, and he's terrible. So bad. <laughs> Ooh, the movie was bad. Uh, but, but yeah, like, um, this was really fun to revisit. This is me as a 20-year-old, like, really falling in love with film and now having a budget to obtain them. That's what Memento reminds me of. I was talking to Sick of Star Wars co-host Jeremy about that. Like, Memento for him was also his, like, film awakening. Like, films can be different and weird and, like, rewatching to discover a thing, not to repeat an emotion. Neat. Mm-hmm. I can't recommend this enough. Find Memento anyway. I believe it's on Tubi and Pluto TV. Um, I cannot say which is better because they both have terrible inventory and ad breaks. But <laughs> what am I going to do? Sign Their inventory up? is getting better. Just yeah, ad breaks. This good. is this is not the kind of movie you want ad breaks. For. Yeah, it's it's yeah. actually like more jarring. Um, and, but I no, but, I was watching it, and then Sam was like making dinner. Is like in and out, and then as he was walking out, he came back and he was like, "What?" He was like, "Okay, I didn't think Big Bird was in this because <laughs> there's like a sub Sesame Street commercial." <laughs> oh, <laughs> you got to see Big Bird with his bad new voice. Hey, I'm Big Bird. You can't do a Big Bird voice? Come on, man. You're so good at everything else. Sorry. Memento. See Memento. Is this Nolan when like no one knows who he is? He's made one really, yeah. really small black and white movie, and Warner Brothers immediately hires him to make the movie you all know and love 
Al Pacino's Insomnia. No, it's like <laughs> it's like the, the 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 Nolan movie everyone forgets about that like got him Batman Begins. Oh um, my god, I forgot that he made Insomnia. Yeah, yeah. It, that, it's, oh, I love that. I actually love that movie. I, I think don't hate that's it. The mm-hmm. most the yep. the one that I connect to the most. Weirdly, I don't know. It just feels. It feels I different. Can't get to sleep with all this light outside. Ah, I love it. I don't love tell it. me Robin Williams is out there killing people. <laughs> Spoiler. Spoiler. But for that movie, I don't care. But uh, but Memento <laughs> is worth experiencing, um, and please do it if you haven't. And uh, it's it's streaming free a lot of places, so you have no excuse. And track down if you can. If you see that DVD in stores, pick it up because I have a feeling it's going to be rare. Probably going to find it at a garage sale or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or at the closure of your local library. Yeah. So go pick it up oh, there. That's Man. depressing. I was going to say at a garage sale for a boomer parents whose millennial just moved out of their house no nah, man i'm rediscovering <laughs> all that shit when i'm doing all a bunch of research for 30 2010 i'm like there's like three special features that could have saved me a ton of time on all these dvds if i just popped them in instead of streaming them god damn hmm. god, god damn um and speaking of i found this six months ago showed it to your husband and then lost it because it's physical media and it's infuriating because it doesn't even look like a dvd uh, i don't know where my girl put stuff I could not find the physical DVD in time to watch it for this this screening. Why would you own the physical DVD of this film? Uh, of Memento? No, of the next film. Oh, You're no. You're talking about the next film? No, I did, I did see this with Sarah's husband, and I, I think we went there to laugh out loud, and we were not... Uh, we were not let down, especially when Alec Baldwin talked. Uh, it was it is the silliest Alec Baldwin performance. I, I hate yeah, this fucking I, movie. I love that these we have two movies. At, I just want to call them like the battle of the brand name directors. Yeah, Ooh. where one makes not very pretty looking movies that are like really smart, and mm. one makes really pretty movies that are incredibly stupid. Yeah, and this might be the prettiest stupid movie that Michael Bay has ever made. They're both masters, and they're both the kings of summer. They don't release anything except in the summer. John Voight, Alec Baldwin, Cuba Gooding Jr., Tom Sizemore, Kate Beckinsale, Josh Hartnett. I forgot about the stupid Josh Hartnett story. Ben Affleck in number one at the box office for this week. And I want to say only this week. Pearl Harbor. Guys like us got no choice. This is war. There was no time for fear. We have to strike the heart of Japan the way they hit us. No giving up. Let's die! Without a fight. You know what top secret is? Got a mission where you get medals, but they send them to your relatives. Ben Affleck, Josh Hartnett, Kate Beckinsale, Cuba Gooding Jr. Pearl Harbor, rated PG-13. Said all that sheen. Is he in the movie? Or is he just in the trailer? <laughs> yeah, I, um, I wanted to put that to you guys. Is that Martin Sheen? It's or definitely Martin Sheen. A lot like Martin <laughs> Sheen. Okay, that's even more confusing. I guess the president is telling us to watch this movie. Pearl, Pearl the Harbor. Is I've never experienced a movie that felt so much like it was assembled in a boardroom. Well, Michael, mm. we got Michael Bay. We know war pictures do really good. He's never done one of those. Oh, he'd really like to do one of those. No one was dying to see a movie. It's not even like all based around Pearl Harbor. It takes place over a series of months. <laughs> so, Dude, like, the Pearl Harbor is like in the, the middle. Pearl Harbor attacks maybe 40 minutes in the middle of, of a and three the rest of hour it- film. The rest of it just goes on forever with this fucking love triangle. They're look, they're doing the Titanic thing. Okay, I it's get it. Awful. They're doing the Titanic thing. Only that's kind of doing a disservice to all of Pearl Harbor. I mean, yeah. like the nicest thing I have to say about it, it it's pretty. And yes, the attack sequence is good. Um, I'm glad they threw in Dory Miller with Cuba Gooding Jr. He should have his own movie. How mm. dare you? 
because that's a real guy and it's a really inspiring story. And it is like a 40, like I think a 45 minute battle sequence that happens yeah. in the middle of the movie that is Pearl Harbor uninterrupted. It's just like nonstop bombardment. Literally. Yeah. And it's, it's really good. The effects are good. They did some like live stuff, putting giant boats in the big uh, tank they used to film Titanic and flipping them over. And like this, there's really good stunts. Like, yeah, it's spectacle. That's the spectacle you want. The rest of it is so it, you need to like mystery science theater right with your friends. Yes. That's the only way you can get through it. It's, it's why it's Team America so wrote cheesy. a song about it. <laughs> it's so cheesy. Oh, the it, it, moment where fucking John Voight as FDR like stands ew. up to tell the people, I oh, we're gonna die. God, ours, um, our favorite music swells, and a a kid with a baseball mitt runs through a wheat field with an American flag behind him. Our fa- I'm not joking. Our favorite oh. was uh, Alec Baldwin. Like, what are we going to do if we got shot down, Sarge? He's like, I'll tell you what I'd do. I'd aim that flaming hunk of metal at any Jap bastard I could find and <gasps> kill as many of them as possible on the way down. I, it was <laughs> like, we're really, really, really hearing this. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love the part of the reason that the movie's like three goddamn hours is because we can't just end with Pearl Harbor because that's sad. So we have to go into the Doolittle yep. raids where we bomb Japan for payback and that makes it okay. Yay. Now we have a happy ending. Firebombing Tokyo, everyone. Yay! Yay. Everyone's uh-huh. scarred and homeless forever. We won the. <laughs> All right. Uh. Oh, no, it's laughable. It is. I almost want to recommend it because it is like a funny bad movie. It's, it's sometimes in the way that Hudson Hawk is where you just hold your head and go, why? Yeah. And it just, I, I feel almost bad about it. Like every time my dad was like, do you want to see that movie Midway? I'm like, no, because I just assume it's Pearl Harbor, but yeah. it, it might not be. None of us know. It's not built for us. It's a dad movie. When you're yep. done watching Bad Draft, throw on your standard definition Midway DVD. Oh, actually, I almost forgot. Martin Sheen doing the the ad made me remember that I I should tell everyone, you want to see a good Pearl Harbor movie, there's a movie called The Final Countdown that Martin Sheen is in Uh with Kirk Douglas. And it's about about the modern-day nuclear-powered USS Nimitz Mm -hmm. going back in time to 1941, and then they, like, stop Pearl Harbor with, like, modern jets. (laughs) It's really fun. To what end? It's really, really stupid. It's really stupid. And, and but that, it's like a great dad movie. That way we never enter World War II and have nothing to gloat about, ever. Yep. <laughs> it's just, it, it is a very goofy 80s kind of movie. Whew, yeah. I, I know the cover very yeah, well. Yeah, Top I've Gun versus Mitsubishi Zeros. It's, it's awesome. Wow. <laughs> <sighs> Fuck Pearl Harbor. Watch Memento. Moving to television yeah. in 2001, um, our second Alien series <laughs> of the evening, Alien sitcom. Third Rock from the Sun has its finale this week. Mm, and I... yeah. Read about it as much as I could until my eyes went blank and I couldn't see text anymore because, like, I just never cared for this. Sh- I- I'm legitimately yeah. shocked the show took took off. And when I finally watched it, I'm like, this is fun. I totally get this. But, like, it really did. I was developing into my uh, snobbery around this time. And I see a sitcom on Fair NBC enough. based around an alien family coming to visit. Like, I've liter- literally seen this sitcom a thousand times. And I didn't factor in that John Lithgow was a genius. And um, yeah. and, and JGL was in it. Yeah. No, third row, I, it's weird that we have two finales about shows about aliens that yeah. get get real finales, too. That they're both two-part real finales. And uh, yeah, Third Rock from the Sun is about how, um, what's his name? Yeah, John Lithgow's character gets in trouble for attacking John Cleese's character, who's named mm-hmm. Dr. Liam Neeson. 
Nice. And, and then they get recalled to their planet and they he decides whether or not he should bring his girlfriend Jane Curtin with them and finally reveals that he is an alien. I was and shocked to learn cool. that like she didn't know this for seven se- seasons. Like, no, but she said it explained a lot once he was she was told. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This, this, I watched the scene of her uh, taking in this information and Jane Curtin and face acting. She's great. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> watching all it's a the thinking going through her head. Mm-mm. And I, I did read oh. they sh- they shot uh, th- at the end of the series. I believe they're all beamed back up, and it's very nice. Right. And you get closure. But they shot an alternate ending in case you know, just in case that last minute pickup comes in. And that airs in syndica- It aired in syndication a lot, hmm. so people didn't know. Th- I, I'm guessing so people didn't know that this. You know, dude, don't tune out on Thursday just because you think the show ends. <laughs> We got a cliffhanger to follow up on. It's just the first episode. Star Trek Voyager also has its finale. Uh, I yeah. tried to read more about this, but this is the Star Trek series I know the least about. Uh, I've seen not minute one, other than like flipping around back in the day. Yeah. I'd never seen Star Trek. I did not know it went seven seasons. That's sure. incredible. Yeah. Like, yeah. And this is, I mean, this one's complicated. I've like, this is a show I've picked up like here and there mm-hmm. just occasionally. And it's pretty good, but this got complicated because there's time travel. Uh, and um, it's also called Endgame. <laughs> it's also called Endgame. Yeah, that's a little tough. Where because they're you know it's a plan, it's a spaceship that's been sucked out into like super super far away. It's got to take them like seventy years to get back to Earth. And it starts with oh they're back at Earth, and then back at Earth, future Captain Janeway goes back to past, stuck in the middle of nowhere, Captain Janeway, and like works with her to stop the Borg from being able to attack everybody. Berg. And uh. Apparently, it's pretty well regarded as being like a, a solid finale. It's got some interesting things about like, is it worth sacrificing my crew if I can save all these people? And yeah, kind of stuff Ooh. Star Trek likes to do. And uh, lastly, Laughter on the 23rd Floor TV movie airs this week with Nathan Lane, Victor Garber, and Perry Gilpin. Ah, the three genders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Laughter on the 23rd Floor is uh, a Neil Simon play, uh-huh. and it's about working on the Sid Caesar show. It's also oh. directed by Richard Benjamin, who also directed movie another movie about yes. that, My Favorite Year, which is a movie I love. Oh, what was so, the, so, so, so very much. We just talked about the Richard Benjamin movie, but it was a much worse one. Uh, we, just, we talked about Mermaids. That was pretty recently. Was that a Benjamin movie? And that movie is fantastic. That was, yeah. Okay. That was good. Well. Yeah, this one, they, they don't use as much of the play as they should, but it's still fun because it's like, you know, screwball comedy, fast dialogue stuff. Yeah. And it's got Marklin Baker and Dan Castellaneta and Victor Garber. Hey. It's yeah. Everyone's Everybody. represented. Everybody. Yes. Uh, and if anyone can do that kind of like fast talking, like, you know, source, it's those people. Like, yeah. Yeah. kind of amazing, honestly. Kind of an amazing cast. Heavy ass character actors. Uh, and then, and then uh, the games of 2001, uh, the 17th to the, uh, Sorry, the May 21st, this the 27th. Cool Borders and Red Faction. We will talk way more about those on patreon.com slash laser time. Let's close out this it's, segment. What? I was going to say, is Cool Birder. Cool Borders. <laughs> birders. Cool Birders. Take off your headgear. Like bird watching. <laughs> okay. And you're like, oh, cool birders. Cool Borders is when you act out renting your house out for Airbnb. I see. That is not worth it. Sorry. No, no. Keep it in there. Keep it in there. Irma Gerd, (laughs) Kerr (laughs) Birders. You murdered my dirter. (laughs) (laughs) Dirter murders. No, it's it's not... It's not the uncool borders that's on the other side of town that does have doesn't have any of the foreign magazines and good anime. There you go. It's the cool borders. It's very Japanese. I like it. Uh, but yes. let's close that with oh, there there'll 
There you'll be by Faith there Hill. There you'll be a really hard. It's very hard to say that. There you'll be. Uh, there you'll be. There you'll be. Sure. We're going to close out with Rural Juror from Faith Hill, uh, the, <laughs> the Pearl Harbor soundtrack. But in my head, I'm going to be humming that Team America theme song. All right. <laughs> Stay right there. Do you like Video Game Apocalypse in 30 2010? Well, the LaserTime Patreon has figured out a way to combine the two over at patreon.com slash lasertime. We've taken a month's worth of 302010's games from 30, 20, and 10 years ago and grabbed the hosts, Michael Raparez and Matthew Allen from Video Game Apocalypse. And with our combined three decades plus in the games industry, we found a great way to take a deep dive into the biggest gaming anniversaries of the month. Here's a recent sample. I think we're all vaxxed, right? Mm-hmm. I, I got like my sister came in my house. Gross! Grow up. She walked. <laughs> she walked in my house and like that's the first time that's happened in over a year. But yeah, like uh, having been around my family with no mask inside, like that's the first time any of that shit's happened in a year. And 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 I was talking to someone about it. Oh yeah, like I'm looking at some of my friends. Like yeah, they're just doing stuff again, and I still I still don't know how to do that yet. I wonder if there's a part of me that kind of enjoyed all the indoor time and the video game time. I just I haven't pushed myself to go out and be social yet. Have any of you? No, or I think absolutely not. You guys are. Well, I'm, I'm still a few days before my my antibody. time is up, mm-hmm. but uh, you know my my two weeks. But I, I, I'm I'm a little bit nervous about it because like I've I've lived like a fucking hermit for the past year and a half, so mm-hmm. it's it's a little strange to like oh now I can. Go out and do things, but who will who will I see? What do I yeah. want to do? That's, that's where I'm uh, at. Is like, oddly, I, I can. The thing I'm most excited for is to go to Target, which I haven't done. Oh, since I've been going to Target this entire time. Yeah, <laughs> I I got a haircut like I, right like mm. the day that I hit my two weeks after the second shot. I'm like, okay, it's time. It's been like eight months or something. But other than that, Are you it's cutting your hair on your own, like Michael. <sighs> no, no, my hair was yeah. just growing out. Yeah, it is weird to think like, well, I don't need a haircut now, but when I do need one, I'll be able to have someone else do it for the first time in a year. You you have been cutting your own hair? Got a pair of clippers. It's surprisingly easy to give yourself a crew cut. Uh, Bullshit. Not with this fucking God sneeze pubes on my forehead kind of shit. Like, I cannot (laughs) just throw clippers into this mess. Uh, you just give yourself like a little crew cut and it looks like a professional bit. I hate oh, I'm very jealous you. of your hair. Always have. <laughs> so in addition to weekly bonus shows, over 100 movie commentaries, exclusive specials, you can get the 30 2010 video games edition celebrating a month of important gaming milestones every single month at patreon.com slash laser time in exchange for just five bucks. And you'll support all of the laser time shows, including video game apocalypse. Right, guys? Yeah. internet and all the ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner we go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of may 21st through may 27th did you not hear the first two segments we we got two stone cold classics in there we got thelma and louise and memento like what are you what are you waiting for 
That's it for this week. Stay close. No, I'm just kidding. All right, let me give you a couple other ones. So 50 years ago this week saw the release of the most fun, but also biggest bummer of the Planet of the Apes series, Escape from the Planet of the Apes, where they go through a wormhole and they come to 70s America and they get drunk and wear ugly clothes. And like all Planet of the Apes movies, it ends with like a super stone cold bummer. Even a bigger bummer than destroying the Earth, which they did twice at least in this series. And then... Uh, unfortunately, last week we also lost Charles Grodin, and uh, I was so happy seeing all the love on, on the Twitters and stuff, but I gotta make a couple recommendations. Most people brought up Heartbreak Kid, completely correct. A lot of people brought up Real Life, which I've brought up before, as an al- amazing Albert Brooks movie. A lot of people brought up his commitment in Great Muppet Caper is so wonderful, and that movie hits 40 next month, and I'll probably talk about it even more then, but Great Muppet Caper, watching it as an adult, is a freaking joy. And most of all, Midnight Run. I mean, come on. Midnight Run, we've talked about it on this show, hitting its 30th anniversary. And it's just a joy to start to finish. It's one of the best road movies ever made. Uh, You know, mismatched partners, buddy comedies, whatever. Yeah, Midnight Run, Robert De Niro's best comedy. And Charles Grodin steals the movie from him. So, yeah, that's it for this week. Stay classic. Coming into 2011 with Rolling Rollin in the Deep by Adele. It's number one this yeah. week. Uh, welcome to 2011, May uh, 21st to 27th. New music releases out this week. Uh, Torches, the debut uh, of Foster the People. <laughs> that sounds like 2011. Eclipse by Journey. What? That does not sound like 2011. <laughs> uh, it's rep- with a different lead singer. So, yes, it does. Is it the one that has the cool documentary about it? Just the guy who like, barely speaks English but like does a great Steve Perry. Revelation Part 1, The Root of Life by uh, Stephen Marley. D by White Denim and Born This Way by Lady Gaga, which is on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums of All Time list. Neat. A little bit of news to wade you into 2011. Character actor Doug Hutchinson, 51, marries Courtney Stodden? Stodden? Um, Mm -hmm. 16. They divorce uh, in 2019. I've only seen this guy in one movie, and he is sprayed bees into his mouth by Michael Clark Duncan. That's (laughs) (laughs) Green Mile. That's so crazy because... Christy Teigen is getting canceled now because of Courtney Stodden. What? Do we know about this? I No. Yeah, like right the, now, like there are all these, Courtney Stodden has like come out with like, um, yeah, like Kristen Teigen cyber bullied me for years, like sent me messages, DMs telling me to kill myself, like, oh, did it publicly on Twitter. Like all these tweets are being like resurfaced where like Christy Teigen was truly like bullying this child. Like back when she was in, when they were in the news, sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, Courtney Stodd does identify as non-binary or is non-binary. So when they were in the news a lot. And so now it's been this whole thing. And like Macy's is like pulling Christy Teigen's stuff out of their stores. And uh. Hey, guess what y'all? Don't be mean to people on the internet. I'm not trying not to be. This whole thing was so icky because she, she was, oh, sorry, they were 16, but they were like a hard 16. Um, I mean, <laughs> no, they look like a, well, like a Playboy bunny. Like, yeah. like they were really trying to like get all this attention 
and everyone just made fun of this of like, oh god, she's like, so, ew, she's so trashy, and she's with this guy who's 51, what the fuck? And it's like, we all need to know, they're 16, man. Yeah, <laughs> No I, matter I, what I, stupid shit they're doing, no matter how crazy it gets, they're still 16, you gotta give them a little bit of time before you can make fun of them. Make fun of Doug Hutchinson all you want. Okay. Uh, Gross. Uh, it's just not a good it situation. Was, it all was a around. bad situation all around, man. Yeah. Gross. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was gross. And this it, is it was so the gross. next subject's not going to be any better. 2011 uh, movies: um, Kiefer Sutherland, Charlotte Gainsbourg, and Kirsten Dunst and Mel- Melancholy. I'm... All right, so we get two artsy fartsy movies, and then we have two populist sequels mm-hmm. to talk about. Mm-hmm. So um, let's start with the artsy fartsy movies and just knock them out because. I'm sure y'all did not watch your rewatch. No, no. And I don't fucking blame you. you. I asked you if I should watch Tree of Life, and you're like, I'm not going to rewatch that movie. I'm I not watched. Mm-hmm. It. I watched it when it came out. I'm good. I watched it when it came out because it was nominated for Best Picture. It won mm-hmm. Palm Door. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay, Melancholia. The title tells you pretty much all you need to know. Also, it's made by Lars von Trier, who mm-hmm. he wants you to suffer. We've talked about movies of his, and they are always the saddest, most depressing things. I mean, we talked about Dancer in the Dark, mm-hmm. <laughs> and Breaking also- the Wave graphically disturbing yeah. mm-hmm. this is well since he gave the beaver a trigger warning for people with depression this is the ultimate trigger warning for depression because the the whole movie the whole first half of the movie is kirsten dunst and alexander Skarsgård wedding and it's beautiful and lush and elaborate but kirsten dunst has this like major depression and ennui inside and she's trying so hard to like keep it together and, and eventually every single one of her loved ones comes up to her and is like, your depression is ruining everything for everyone and everything bad is your fault. Mm. So it's like the worst nightmare of people with depression. Yes. And then then the second half of the movie is about how this rogue planet melancholia is supposed to bypass earth and it's going to be really cool, but actually it's crashing into earth and it's going to destroy us all. (laughs) Now here's the weird thing, how this Mm. relates to earlier movies. It reminded me, the back half really reminded me of Thelma and Louise in that Kirsten Dunst and her sister Charlotte Gainsbourg trade roles in the second half. Like, because Earth is about to be destroyed, Kirsten Dunst's depression starts to lift because it's like, well, the worst thing that could happen is happening. Mm-hmm. So I'm okay with this. Mm-hmm. While her sister is now like running around, like, we've got to do something. Oh, God. And she's like really freaking out and fretting about it. And Kirsten Dunst is like, nah, nah, we're going to die. We're going to die. Mm. It's okay. Nah, we're fine. Is there any like scenes of like graphic violence or like body horror? <laughs> like there are in other <laughs> shockingly bars? no. Okay. No. And like Kiefer Sutherland's really good. Like everyone's really good in it. And but yeah, it's Lars von Trier, so it's like wicked depressing. I will recommend watching the first like fifteen minutes or so, mm-hmm. which tell the story in these painting like vignettes that are done. It's a super slow mo that is gorgeous. Like, okay. it is really striking. And it's kind of all you need. I'm actually kind of intrigued by it because, I, yeah, Lars von Trier of it all really scared me away for a long time because he does awful things to women in his movies. Oh, yeah, um, yeah but like I said, if- Breaking the Waves and Dancing in the Dark will make you open your veins. They are so, so bleak. Yeah, but if there's no, like, graphic violence in this and it is, do you think it's, like, you could classify as a meditation on depression? Oh, a thousand percent. And now yeah. I'm interested. Now I'm into it. Now I yeah. think I need to it, check into it. It is really, really beautiful, but it is, yeah. I mean, in the end, it's kind of about like how hopelessness is okay in a weird way, or like 
what what are the problems of these puny earthlings in the cosmic scale of things which is kind of the point of the next movie too so yeah all right yeah it's kind of what the tree of life is about they're both these sort of cosmic views of our puny human problems Mm. the tree of life with uh brad pitt jessica Chastain, sean penn um terrence malick's return to movies after like 30 freaking years he did what badlands and um no yeah the days of heaven no it was the uh oh and thin red line then Red Line was him coming I thought back, he right? did one after that, but it, I see, yeah. Self-imposed hiatus returns yeah. to film. And it's kind of not a movie. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's There's not? not really a lot of plot. There's a couple little parts of plot. A lot of it, like a huge chunk of it is just this sort of montage of impressions of life that is, I, I think it's hypnotic, but I can see a lot of people being bored out of their minds. But there's <laughs> dinosaurs. True. It needs to be playing in a modern art museum as I'm walking through it. And I can stop on a bench and like watch it for a little while and then move on to the cafe and the museum store. Watch this yeah. movie. Yeah, Sarah says, recommends watching this movie in a very cold room on a bench. That is truly, <laughs> museum. Truly. And then go eat some overpriced crepes in, in a museum yeah. store and buy a t-shirt that has like a painting on it. <laughs> Call it yeah. a day. It, they really are like, you have to be in a pretty artsy mood to watch them but it's like they're beautifully made and they look gorgeous but you know not something you want to pop some popcorn on but it did kind of introduce everyone to jessica chastain so let's just okay. throw that there yeah right I, there brad pitt taught passing the torch this week also going two yeah. for three that's true um, brad pitt and steven tobolowski they're doing the work this week <laughs> and james hong james hong forget, uh, james in the next hong. film that's right wow an insane voice cast as always Dennis Haysburg, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Danny McBride, Dustin Hoffman, Michelle Yeoh, Jackie Chan, James Hong, David Cross, Lucy Liu, Seth Rogen, Angelina Jolie, Gary Oldman, Jack Black, and is this not the one with Ian McShane? Whatever. Kung Fu Panda 2. My fist hungers for justice. That was my fist. What's it called? Fist of Justice! When only you can save the world. It's called Awesome on May 26th. Beware of the signs. Ah, so many signs. The summer of awesomeness begins. My old enemy stares. DreamWorks Kung Fu Panda 2. Thanks for carrying me. Uh, I threw up a little bit on the third floor. Ready PG, May 26th. <laughs> Kung Fu Panda 2. I remember watching a little bit of this and just like, I'm, I've had enough. And I'm saying that because Kung Fu Panda may be my favorite DreamWorks animated film. Tied with oh. the original How to Train Your Jag- Dragon. I don't yeah. know. I know. I know. We're both I, we're both big Kung Fu Panda fans. Yeah, I I remember really liking it and thinking, wow, that was a, a worthy sequel. Uh, mm. I'm impressed. And so I rewatched it just to be like, it's probably not as good as I remember, right? And it's like, oh, I think it might be better than I remember. Oh, I, it is a little slow to get moving, but but the, the, once the original it does hats off. Like it's wonderful. funny. It's funnier than anything Pixar has ever done. Yeah, it's a funny movie, um, and I just but I just remember you know, it's it's just a little I don't know like I, I you can't do this to me every two years DreamWorks and expect me to care mm. that much. But I mean it's weird that we just talked about Shrek and here again leaning into the comedy, mm-hmm. but also with really freaking great action in these movies. Yeah. They they are really really impressive that like they're doing all this kung fu fighting, but not you know each they are all different animals and they all fight with very distinct styles. Mm-hmm. You know, like how do you have a snake fight Kung Fu? Well, 
they figured out a way. How would a crocodile fight Kung Fu? They figure out a way. And <laughs> it like it ended up being kind of like a little extra heartwarming because in the end, like it's well, they're dealing with Gary Oldman, who is a malevolent peacock. and he's doing a great job and they actually make him kind of scary and how the peacock fights again is just like i know i know how the peacock fights it makes the office exclusive uh and puts it behind a paywall sorry yes yet another plug for paramount plus a mountain of content (laughs) (laughs) but but it's also about like him you know a, a joke they never really bothered explaining in the first Kung Fu Panda that his dad is James Hong as a goose. <laughs> and this is about him finding out he's adopted I and find, trying that. to find out what happened to his birth parents. And, you know, like, who who am I? And realizing, like, no, that, that doesn't matter. Who What matters is, you know, your family is who loves you and mm-hmm. who you love. And it's like, oh, that was really, like, oh. I love it. <laughs> it really got me right, right in the got me in the heart also haven't just like really good action balancing the comedy really well it's probably not quite as good as kung fu panda one because mm-hmm. it just had so much character development in that and this just continues expands that and then sort of leads into kung fu panda 3 with that yeah also like the the message the bad guy i guess the overall message for kids is really more complicated than you'd expect from an animated film which is like the bad guy's problem is he like can't get over past trauma wow and like accept things that he did was wrong things other people did is wrong but like move on with your life and he's like no i will destroy everything because i have a grievance and it's like no that will you only end up destroying yourself like revenge will never work out for you you need to heal as a person and move on Hmm. that is some complicated shit wow i love it yeah i i liked it i had so much fun with it i was really expecting like "Eh." It'll be okay, you know, like how to dra- train your dragon too. Like, oh, it's really good, but God, it doesn't stand up to the first one. It's like, mm. this one almost does, man. Kung Fu Panda 2 is like a huge recommend for me. <laughs> well, at least, okay. At least give we, it another try, Chris. At least we have one one worthy sequel to talk oh. about in this segment. Um, oh, motherfucker. Also, I think it's the, it was the highest grossing film directed by a woman until Wonder Woman came along. Wow, really? Yeah, because it's just directed by Jennifer <laughs> U. Nelson. And Pixar's like, they let women direct films? Yeah, um, <laughs> and like the music is, I love that you, you would think with so much like wacky comedy that they would do like Shrek and have, you know, pop songs and stuff. And still they have like very traditional sounding Chinese music. It's like really, it gives you a nice sense of place. Interesting. And Yeah, I'm actually, I'm going to go watch Kung Fu Panda 3 now. I haven't watched it. I'm the, sure it's not as good, but God damn, I love this. And, and the sequel that I like, I just sort of hate the most. Oh, um, the, it, like, I did not believe you of how much I was going to hate this movie. Oh, and then I watched it. It's, 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 inc- it's so wondrous when you think of this as a trilogy. And like, this is the middle of one of the weirdest trilogies ever with a perfectly fine first movie. Paul Giamatti, Justin Bartha, Ken Jeong, Zach Galifianakis, Ed Helms, and Bradley Cooper. Number one at the box office this week. Hangover Boo. part two. None of you know Stu like I do. This is not Stu's first marriage. There was a whore in Las Vegas a couple of years ago. Did it, buddy. Cheers. I can't believe this is happening again. Oh, holy. This is a real tattoo! Ciao! We had a sick night. Holla, city of squala. The Hangover Part (laughs) 2. 
Jesus Christ. I've just, I have never seen anything like this since Home Alone 2. But now I'm a discerning adult and like, this is the same movie you've given me 20 months later. <laughs> the, the exact same film. It's the I exact same. Hated. Oh, but it's worse. Yeah, it is yes. worse. It's but way it's grosser, way worse, way more hateful, way less joy, like way more joyless, less mm. joy. Mm -hmm. Like there's nothing like, this is a mean movie. Like there's yeah. no... I, it is. This is utterly like a slog. It's just a terrible, terrible. You didn't like a monkey jerking yeah. off Ken Chong. <laughs> no. Yeah. Now, let, so it's the same movie as The Hangover, but this time they're in Thailand. That's mm -hmm. that's the mm -hmm. whole movie. Now, I will put it to you that the logical place for them to go for carousing as ugly Americans would have been Mexico. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I am going to ask you a question: Is is this in Thailand? entirely so we can have a ladyboy joke yeah i think so yes okay i think i think it was the Just way they, they had to raise the stakes the most because the, the movie's yeah it's really set, set in the southwest uh to begin the first movie is yeah. californians first going movie, to vegas yeah going to vegas right that's where you go crazy you'd think the next one would be cabo and it just it, it just suggests like not a lot of thought when they followed the exact same even down to like oh. alan drugged them again yeah. Mm -hmm. You yeah. found a convenient way to have Justin Bartha, the best man of the previous movie, who the whole movie was sent around to not be there with the three guys. Like, that feels mean. Like, that guy <laughs> should be able to join you in the adventure, but yeah, you just is leave he him just out. like a bad actor? Like, what is his deal? Why can't he, like, be part of it this <laughs> yeah. time? Is nobody friends with him? Like, <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's how little they, they deviate from anything. And yeah. It, well, yeah. and also, like, None of these people have chemistry with each other. Nobody's actually friends in real life. You cannot like get a whiff of actual like fellowship or love between these people. Mm -hmm. They all seem to just fucking hate each other. And mm. like a movie that I always think of whenever I think about like The Hangover as like a contrast is the movie Tag. Mm -hmm. I really oh. enjoyed Tag. Like Tag was, was a fun that. movie about friendship and like it's kind of Broy, because it's like uh, uh, anyone can enjoy tag. Like it is just a movie about friendship and fun, and these guys that like are kind of mature, and it's set around a wedding and yada yada yada. This is like the dark side of that. Like it's just like nobody here likes each other. These are the meanest people on earth. They're just like rude. Ugh. I even yeah, found a way to say it. Ken so Jong is here because they're best friends. Like right? Are they? I mean, yeah. Are they? I I love it. It's. It makes me angry that this made so much money. It yeah. didn't make as much money as Kung Fu Panda 2. That makes it, me happy. It made more than the first but Hangover. That, uh, it made more than the first one, which is definitely better. And that we just talked about Bridesmaids, mm -hmm. which is about so many underlying things. Mm -hmm. And this has not even the tiny underlying things that were in the first one. Do you remember the big controversy photocopy. around this movie? Only because it was uh, fun. About the... Oh, about the monkey or about, about the Mel Gibson? Mel Gibson part. We talk about the monkey too. But that Mel Gibson was was cast as a cameo. And I just remember I was just naturally listening to like comedy bang bang. And he came on the show and just sort of like pitched a fucking fit. Like, I don't want to do this. I don't want Mel Gibson on this fucking. Like, he wasn't very specific. Uh, Zach Galifianakis, sorry. Uh, was like, I, no. Like, when do we get any say in this or not? Like, I, I don't want to be in a movie with this person. Sometimes you. And he like. He didn't name names, but like it was very clear what he was talking about, and it made gossip rags, comedy bang bang, for the first time. And sure enough, like they threw Mel Gibson off the movie at at yeah. uh, against the director's wishes. 
You know what's weird is the guy who's playing that part looks so much like Mel Gibson (laughs) that I had to like blame Nick Cassavetes. Like, wow. If you know who they were trying to get, they were like Bill Clinton. (laughs) Like that. That would have been amazing. That would have redeemed the movie entirely if you can get the president <laughs> as a tattoo artist in the movie. Former, <laughs> but it didn't happen. I mean, they, do, they do have a now. They do have a history of casting like fun cameos with people who have been accused and or have actually done sexual assault. Yay. So I guess that would fit mm. in. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I think I like the the first Hangover movie quite a bit. So I don't. Yeah. I don't mean you shit on it, but like Sarah said, like it wasn't like a gross out movie. Like Ed Helms lost a tooth. Like it, mm-hmm. you didn't shoot. It. <laughs> there's just, there's a lot of grotesque stuff in here that it, like it, this feels like ten years earlier. Like you're reaching, trying to reach an American Pie sensibility. Mm-hmm. Like real, mm-hmm. real kind of shock stuff. Um, and just thoroughly unpalatable, better off forgetting it. And then I saw the third movie. I'm like, so they got the message. We don't want the same movie again, but what the fuck is this? And why do I care about any of these people? Like Sarah said, they're not friends. So like (laughs) two of them know each other. Like nobody should be in this, in a movie together without being in some weird scenario. The third one is so strange yet better because it's not the exact same film, which is not a compliment, but yeah, the hangover I think is one of the weirdest trilogies ever and, and and came out too fast and too hot, but everyone who made it is rich and I kind of like everyone involved. So good for them. So I, I do I like every, generally like everyone involved, yeah. you know, I'm glad they've got some money that they could go <laughs> yeah. do better things with. Yeah. I like, love Ken Jong, my Zach Gackleflan, Bradley Cooper and Ed Helms. Good. Good. Oh, I think you got Jeffrey Tambor in there. Do I like him now? I can't remember. What did he do? He yelled at a lady. Fuck shit. I don't know what to think anymore. I'm leaving. I'm leaving the internet for a while. Yeah, I would I would love to hear from anybody who has like, is there anyone out there? This is your favorite hangover movie. <laughs> uh anyone, tell it's me. It's not even like you get to see like a lot of times when they like have a sequel and they send someone to it, they send them to another place. Yeah. It's like beautiful locales and you're on like gorgeous beaches and you're in like a fancy hotel no you don't even get that yeah they're almost <laughs> like the worst get, like... The, the worst places my only thing, the only thing i like that they did is like well we were sort of shooting for like old 80s comedies so they like were really adamant that the part the part ii be like that's in the official title it's not the hangover numeral two you you use the part I'm like oh, okay but then that's <sighs> also but you're like a police academy movie <laughs> um which you are um yeah. You have all the nutritional value of a police academy movie, and that's it's just weird. So, Mm -hmm. uh, because I expect better from everyone involved. Skip this and just watch Bridesmaids again. Totally. Hell yeah. Uh, I will sign off on that. Television of 2011. I know where I was on the 25th of May in 2011. Once again, (laughs) participating in my 25-year boycott of ever seeing an Oprah episode. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't intentional. Um, I just not watching TV at 11 a.m. or whenever a show comes on. Um, you never sick. Was it usually four? You never sick. I know. I, that's the only thing I'm familiar with Oprah. Like with my mom watching, but my mom worked too. And when she'd do something that was newsworthy, I'd know of it. But like, I'm being honest, I never tried to not watch Oprah, but like, I was a yeah. young person and like never. I've watched the YouTube clip with her interviewing the Ninja Turtles. And I know when Tom Cruise jumped on <laughs> jumped on stuff, but no, I have no I have no connection with Oprah at all. And I was oh, sort yeah. of curious, like how 
if you guys did, and if you did, then how? Because you have to have the same viewing experience that I did. Oprah was a huge part of my life. Like how it aired at four. Oh, okay, in Pensacola, mm-hmm. so I was yeah. home. Mm-hmm. Or you know, gosh, no, we didn't have DVR at that point when I was living at home. But you know, I would if I was home at four, I would definitely make a plan to watch it. And you know, sometimes my mom would be home at that point too, so we would watch it together. Absolutely, we like read so many of the books in the book club. Like, yeah, we're big Oprah fans. Like, this was. Yeah. She was a big person in my life. And, you know, I do think that she's like ultimately a force for good, even though she did give us Dr. Phil and Dr. Oz. True. I think she yeah, made me but she made me cry with a Golden Globe speech, but like I, I just wanted to I don't have any other I kind of respect her as this longtime media deity, but like I don't really have any roots with her. I saw Beloved after I read the book, and that's about it. Like I <laughs> Yeah. I mean, she is such a fascinating person i mean mm-hmm. just her whole trajectory in her entire life is just the stuff of like it, it sounds like you made it up it is all made up you know or she's this like terrible background she, you know she's an actor she's uh and, and she's a fucking good one man color purple i think she's amazing and beloved also and then you know doing morning talk shows in chicago and then you know going national and i just did the math if you watched every oprah episode 24 hours a day it will take you about 86 days <laughs> wow 4561 hour long episodes yeah the lady was tired over 25 years and so it still was like she quit at number one in whatever her yeah. time slot or genre was uh, they showed this final episode in movie theaters yeah they, they, in a couple of movie theaters in nebraska like wherever they could they'd mm-hmm. show it in movie yeah. theaters and the final the final two a giant show that covers so many things and of course if you cover so many things there's going to be some horrible shit in there i mean she promoted lots of unscientific woo-woo nonsense she promoted john of god who is a healer who liked to molest people oh oh yeah full on criminal is is that the antidote like you said (laughs) dr oz and and dr phil who have caused probably more harm than good overall in their lives like by a lot yeah i think it's by a lot but she also like she she could be a really good interviewer, man. She I, I, was I really did, good at that, especially the best. I did want to ask you, like, because I do I I do believe she started out as like not necessarily Jerry Springer esque, but like that kind of talk show. Like we're here to have yeah. groups clash on stage, and then eventually got so popular. Like I'm not doing any of that shit. I'm having people mm-hmm. I like, and yeah. I'm talking about things that I like to people who are like minded and. How did she get that though? Like, what? How did she rise above every other talk show host? Is she funny? She's good. good. She's very good at her job. She is a singular genius, I think, and a very good interviewer. And she just has that special, je ne sais quoi, that just like makes someone be that like force of nature, Mm -hmm. a multi, a multi hyphenate, you know? I mean, can you imagine even accomplishing a fraction of what Oprah has accomplished? Obviously not. Look what a situation I'm in now. Magazine, like TV show that went for what, 27 seasons? Like truly wild stuff. Yeah. And yes, she is going to have some like hits or misses in there as far as like people that she's endorsed and gotten tangled with. But also I think that she's always been a very good barometer of where America has been as far as its tastes and Hmm. I think that's what I'm saying. I would like to see lifestyle stuff. Like, I would, honestly, I would like to see a, yeah. a very in-depth documentary about her and this show in particular, because this is why she is the force that she is. But 
it's hard to know and you can't go back and like wa- watch seasons of Oprah like that's fucking impossible <laughs> I, but yeah. I would I really like to know why or like why why she was better than all the other people because you know I wasn't there I can't really because tell she just is. because she just is dude she's I'm telling like you I'm telling you I, I accept it but I would just I would sort of like to see it or like yeah. uh, I'm sure like, you can find it on YouTube no like, but I would like to see a professional a, a professional documentary don't squint at me like I'm I'm saying you're wrong I'm agreeing why? with you why like why why <laughs> I, I don't this know. is the, this why is the portion she... of the show where Sarah gets adversarial. Uh, but... <laughs> like, why does that get ha- like? Why does that have to get proven to you? Never mind. Don't make the Oprah documentary. Happy? Well, I'm just I'm just wondering. Like, I mean, like, look at her life. Look I want to accomplish. It's not, not about her, the person. It's about the show. I don't know anything about the show, and I'm not going through looking at YouTube clips. I would like to see somebody like. It'd what was it about this show? Google of o- Oprah's best interview. I'm not watching yeah. Oprah YouTube clips. Are you fucking nuts? What I what I what, <laughs> like, literally what, what I want to see like, is a comparison. What was Maury Povich doing? Tell me what Ricky Lake was doing, and tell me how Oprah made it better. So you want more of the behind the scenes stuff and putting her in the historical no, I want, context? No, I want her contextualized. Just because, like, I've always yeah. known her and respected her for like who she is, but like the show, I have like zero experience with, and I don't feel like there's any point in going back and experiencing the show. She made me cry in her Golden Globe speech. Oprah gets to me too. But like I, the show, I'll never understand. And the last episode had Aretha Franklin, Tom Cruise, Stevie Wonder, Patti LaBelle, Beyonce, Tom Hanks, Maria Shriver, Will Smith, Madonna, and more come and wave Fuck. goodbye. Because like, <laughs> she remember, she's in a time slot in a format of like, you know, like circus dwarves and clan members. And her show became something completely different. And that's the, I want to see the trajectory from that. Cause I know she has a little bit of like that format in her past too, but she's still on the mm-hmm. big white stage with the cheap chairs. <laughs> she had that format all the time talking to experts or about the latest problems in society. And just, I don't, yeah, I don't know a lick of that. And absolutely not. Am I going to go select YouTube clips and look for choice clips of that? Holy yep. shit. I'm not the Scrooge McDuck of free time. Now what? Like, Come on. <laughs> also, yeah. too, when she showed up in A Wrinkle in Time, I burst into tears in the movie theater. <laughs> take what take what you said and replace it with Thirty Rock. I really like her Thirty Rock appearance. Um, oh God, Thirty Rock, that, oh, which which so may crazy. or may not exist. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That is a good question. I I would like to see something comparing Oprah's vibe to so many other talk shows. Yeah. Especially in the '90s, where we had you know Ricky Lake, we had Sally Jesse Raphael, and they did all these different stuff. But how? Yeah, how is Oprah's vibe different than she can have a successful book club? Yeah, like how did she trans trans and, and not just even like current books? Sometimes they would be like classic books. She's, yeah, she's, she's Anna people... If you watched Oprah, there is an element of exploitation that I think that is present in those other talk shows mm-hmm. that just wasn't present there for her. That is, and a good I'm not answer. saying that she's like some amazing person like kind well i am saying that but i'm not saying that like she didn't have that in her heart or there weren't cynical decisions made by her and her staff as far as what kind of shows to book but her as a performer as an interviewer as a public figure like Mm -hmm. when she would do these interviews with these subjects who were had scandalous past or had issues that would normally would be very exploitative the way she came at it was not that way it was like she was there to help them tell their story and this, that's it this is exactly you know? the kind of non-judgmental answer i was looking for <laughs> yes i don't i didn't like the tone of prove to why me is why oprah, oprah popular <laughs> that, that wasn't what i was saying i just like i but more more the show because like it, it the way it looked it, she it seems she was doing a different format than what her stage looked like and when mm-hmm. and when her show aired and and i i know 
I know there's an evolution to that, and I want to see it. I want to see someone lay it out who knows. Uh, and I'm definitely not watching 4,000 episodes. That's it. Oprah, baby. Speaking of, I'm not going to be able to segue from Oprah and do a three-way with Justin Timberlake and Lady Gaga. Um, <laughs> when you put this in here, I'm like, I have never seen this. I'm like, oh, I have seen oh. this, but I'm a big SNL nerd. I don't know that most people think of the Dick of the Box guys as having a trilogy. And, uh-huh. and it's only three, oh. and their name is 2.30 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so it's Dick in the Box, it's Mother Lover, right? Yes. And then, okay. and then and this is the third one? And then this jam, which I, I may have seen once, and I, you know, it's my least favorite of the three, but you may not know it exists. But it's got Lady Gaga in it, and the two guys show up to uh, get to a hookup, and it turns out it's the same girl and also Lady Gaga. The honey in the middle, there's some leeway. That's my favorite line. I love it. But yeah, that's the, that's the last appearance of 2.30 a.m., which isn't really written very many places. So I had to like do a little Googling on that one. 2.30 a.m. But that's when Justin Timberlake's host with musical guest Lady Gaga. An American Idol uh, season 10 this week. Is that still on Fox? That's still on Fox. Scott McCreary wins. Yeah. Wait, Scotty McCreary, the biggest musical star Scotty. in the world? Please explain. We all know his name and all of his hit songs. Excuse me. Go back. Go back. Big as uh, me. He's got a sexy. He he's got a sexy bass country voice, and he looks like Howdy Doody. I is, love that kid. Is this the guy who wrote Hamilton? Sure. sure. I thought so. I thought so. Recognize his name right away. So, I... so. Yeah. It, it, seriously, it looks like a little Lego guy. He just had like Lego hair. <laughs> Stop. But it. he had a he had a great voice for a very particular kind of country song. As someone who can get Lego head very easily with his hairstyle, I don't appreciate that. <laughs> the 23rd, also the Too Big to Fail movie, HBO movie comes out with America's Rose, James Woods, John Hurd, and William Hurt. Two people. Uh, no, no, no. But uh, this is about what? Enron or Enron? This is Enron, right? No. No? Uh, no, it's about the, the oh, 2008 yes. crash with Lehman Brothers, AIG, all that. The cast is freaking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me pull up the whole list. Yeah, William Hurt, Ed Asner, Billy Crudup, Paul Giamatti, mm-hmm. Topher Grace, Matthew Modine, Cynthia Nixon, uh, Tony Shalhoub, Bill Pullman, James Woods, Kathy Baker, Evan Handler, John Hurd, Dan Hedaya as Barney Frank. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Dan Hedaya as yeah. Barney Frank. <laughs> yeah, Dan Hedaya as Barney that's great. Frank. Which I yeah, that's a hard hard part to cast. So I, I don't know who else to do. And directed by Curtis Hansen, my boy. All right. Speaking it, LA Confidential again. It's yeah. also written by Andrew Ross Sorkin, who I was like, why does that name sound so familiar? It's because he's the co-creator of Billions, which Sam yeah. and I are like knee deep in right now. We're very into Billions, which is again about rich assholes gaming the market in order to screw people and yeah it's a recommend but i'm pretty sure i bet you guys talked about too big to fail on the episode of laser time that sam was on about the financial crash the financial scandal yeah i thought it was a name applied to uh enron event at some point oh and, no but it well it was but well, but yeah but it was something they ended up coining and then saying about the housing market as well as yeah. well uh, it was really aig it was yeah. the that's the point and i mean this is a docudrama about you know it's, it's all about like the treasury secretary and 
the president of the Federal Reserve Bank. And so, and like, what can the government do now that everything is melting down? And there really was the point with if AIG goes down, it's not just going to fuck our economy. It's going to fuck every economy. Like mm. Europeans are calling people and be like, dude, this company will kill everyone. Oh, that's the Manchester United team. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah i mean it's pretty good yeah hbo does a whole bunch of those you know they mm-hmm. did recount and stuff like that uh and this is more docudrama than something like the big short mm-hmm. uh it's more about like all these different people involved and what are they doing and in the end yeah uh they throw a whole bunch of money at it and they don't know what to do and uh it's, there's a lot of yelling it's so weird these are these should be forgettable films that are like ripped from the headlines and like do a lot of stunt casting but it these have become like some of my more favorite nostalgic viewings. Like yeah. if you want to relive the trauma of a national news event that lasted weeks with bad acting. <laughs> well, great actors doing bad line overacting. Yeah. Overacting. Uh, mm. Sam is a bit yeah. of a connoisseur of these like this micro genre of yeah. films and documentaries about this the 2008 like financial crisis mm-hmm. and i know that this is one of the ones that he's seen like a couple times so yeah, and that's like, a pretty good endorsement if you ask me yeah sammy did a yeah. an episode of that on laser time like helping yep. to try and explain because i've seen the big short like three times and there's a, been like yeah i understand whole, game like, stock but i still don't really get it like i don't i don't right. understand and it's all made up and the points don't matter. Yes. Yeah. It's all a bad it's all a game for bad people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well this this might help explain it a little bit more, but I mean I'm surprised seventy four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It's like, gosh, okay. I remember it being like really well received because it's got lots of good actors and good filmmakers involved, but mm. all right, yeah, HBO. Thanks, guys. Well, moving uh lastly into the games of twenty eleven, and we'll talk about these more on patreon.com slash laser time. We've got Dead or Alive Dimensions for 3DS, Dirt 3, Kung Fu Panda 2, Lego Pirates of the Caribbean is out, and Frozen Synapse. Uh, we'll, again, we'll talk about those more. The Video Game Apocalypse Boys on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. And uh, stay tuned. We're going to tell you who lived and who died. But just to get a few plugs out here, tell a friend about the show or maybe think consider donating to Patreon. Uh, we're a boutique, non-corporate, uh, little kind of uh, podcast network that could. So any help would be appreciated. What else? Oh, Video Game Apocalypse. It's episode 420, which we all know is the sex number. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yes, of course. Of I, course. I, was, I have nowhere else to tell this because I can't do a bonus time this week. I was in a Walgreens. <clears throat> woman cards me. I'm like, oh, thank you. I'm very old. Like, what? You ain't old, sugar. You're just 41. That's the age, that's the age of my daughter. I'm like, what? You have a 41-year-old daughter? I wouldn't have thought you were over 50. I'm being my sweet version of myself it's like ah, bitch i'm 69 i just sit there silently like eh, eh, eh. and i'm just nice <laughs> nice i didn't do the nice i did the nice uh but i i it took me a second but i said it to a human woman <laughs> an actual 69 year old oh Congratulations. Yeah, it, it does feel you really good her feelings were not hurt so um nor was she disgusted die where can people find you at they can find me on the twitter at listen nerd l-e-c-i-n-e-n-e-r-d or follow the show uh at 302010 podcast 302010 podcast and then promoting next week wow i mean 1991 was packed this time uh we're going behind the scenes with madonna we are going behind the scenes at a soap opera at one of my favorite comedies I love it so much. Oh, shit. 
it. We have a musical in Paris with lots of singing and dancing and anachronisms. One of my favorite movies of all time. So gird your loins. We will be talking a lot. Rock and roll high school forever. Sarah, you're going to need to get like extra sleep and extra coffee because we're also talking about six feet under that. (gasps) Wait, the debut? Oh, yes. Okay. I fully just passed out. Yes. I can't wait, you guys. Chris, X-Men are back. And they're good this time. Is it okay? I'm also a big Six Feet Under fan. I'll have you know. If you thought that you got a reprieve from HBO talk because the Sopranos just finished their season, oh, you're fucked, y'all. That, that, this, this is how they work. They they end they end a show cycle and then start the new one. So there's a seventy yeah. percent chance it'll be something better than anything else on television. Sorry, thirty twenty ten listeners. Is the television show that is like the most formative personality after Seinfeld. So we gonna be talking Whoa. about it. <laughs> It's summer, man. It's busy. It's going to be nuts. I'm going to have um, brand flavor, brawn fever, brain fever. What? And then my house will laterally explore within 12 houses. These jokes are for two people, but they know what <laughs> you know. I'm totally lost. I'm waiting for Diana anyway. to, to stop buffering. <laughs> <laughs> so should we talk about deaths and births? Deaths and births, baby. Yes. All right. Oh, this, this is kind of so We have two yeah. untimely deaths in 2011. Um, we lost Jeff Conway. He was 60 from Greece and Taxi and many, many years Troubled. of addiction problems. Very public, very on television with them. I think, uh, I think when we write our history, the celebrity rehab program might not be very helpful. And, and mm, a, yeah. a lot of that rode this guy in particular's problems to rating success. Not good. It, it bums me out yep. because like, I feel like I was a part of it. Just that I had to watch this dude degrade. Mm, yeah. Gil Scott Heron, I love. <laughs> yeah, and we also lost Gil Scott Heron, who's only 62 as well. The uh, poet, Revolution Will Not Be Televised. I loved how Lovecraft Country used Whitey on the moon. That was <laughs> so good. Uh, I'm just yeah. happy to have one song written about me. It's fantastic. <laughs> but I like Home Again from Gil Scott Heron. That's a fun one. Yep. But we, now we figured out who died. We got to figure out who lived with the b- 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 birthday quiz. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo. A ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. Turning 50 years old this week. Born May 27, 1971 in London, he grew up at an all-girls boarding school where his dad taught, which sounds like a sex comedy that I've seen. Yeah. yeah. But it wasn't all good in that he left home at 16 and survived as a busker. <laughs> I heard boy raised at an all-girls school and I just automatically sprayed banaka in my mouth, like just in response <laughs> William McGregor. What? No. Oh, God. Fair enough, yes. But no. He went to drama school, started getting a ton of roles in Royal Shakespeare Company adaptations really, really fast. Like, fun fact I did not know, 9-11 made him pull his shit together and get the courage to ask out his current wife and previous co-star, who he said he'd had a crush on since seeing her in a movie in 1986. Huh. What the fuck? Is that possible? What? Okay, hold on. He must have been very young then. And, yes. Um, so he was so, acting in movies in 1986. She was acting in movies in 1986. Hmm. Movies of his that we have talked about include Bent, Firewall, Inkheart, and The Young Victoria. It is definitely not Ryan Phillippe. No. 
the Brit. I was just telling for Sarah. She, I didn't want her to guess. Hugh Dancy? That's a person, right? Yes, that is a person. <laughs> Diana that's made a face. a good guess. Diana like, made a face like that's a, the correct answer that I didn't write down. This is much better. <laughs> <laughs> this is, like, another guy with all the same clues, which is not the right. You know what's like, fine. No, I'm like, yeah, he could have seen Claire Danes on My So Called Life when he was younger, but oh, I mean, it was not ben, on in 1986. Ben Lee. Okay, we also talked about uh, Legion, the Tourist, Iron Man's one and two. Oh, but, 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 but Paul Bettany. There you go, it's Paul Bettany. I've been a seated. Also, the Da Vinci Code priest and a Knight's Tale that we just talked about. Yeah, he said he had a crush on Jennifer Connelly after seeing Labyrinth. Wow. Is he yeah. married, is he married right. to Jennifer Connelly? Yeah, and they, they were, they're in a beautiful mind together, and then they didn't get Good together. Good on you, Jarvis. I mean, yeah. um, that woman's amazing. Great. I'm almost happy to not My get rain. that. Reign of Terror is over. No, no, no. That's, that's not what's happening. Uh, <laughs> what, what? through my veins. She's doing an infinity gauntlet uh-uh. and it's kind of no. scary. No, no, no. What's happened here is you're pitching once during a summer softball game, but I'm coming back next week to take it all back. Uh, but with that, we will close out the show. Pumped Out Kicks by Foster the People. I don't know why, but I remember like in 2011 being hopelessly without music and it was like the first and last time I tweeted give me some music recommendations. Like I don't, Spotify doesn't exist. YouTube music doesn't exist. I'm not listening to the radio. I'm tired of digging around for my own music. I'm tired of listening to this old show. Recommend me stuff. And overwhelmingly every, it must've been the right week. Everyone said foster the people. And I'm like, this band will be around forever. (laughs) But uh, they, they were not because they ripped this song off from uh, cruising USA's Deadwood ride stage. Hmm. Look it up on YouTube. It's fun. It's a very similar melody, uh, but pumped up kicks. Yeah, but uh, uh, getting shot for sneakers. How about it? It's one of those songs where it's like, if people actually pay attention to the words, they'll be horrified, but it's so charming and catchy that they just don't. Yeah. I can't think about this song without thinking about the movie Elephant. So cool. Cool. Is that in in Elephant? No. No, but you know, subject matter. Oh, oh, right. Got it. Well, with that, uh, the show is over. See you next week. Bye. I don't even know why.